covering all the freedom rallies on Vancouver Island. Um, but I'm just going to pop Dave up on the screen real quick. He's going to be sharing his experience from Ottawa as somebody who was there, who experienced um, everything go down. And I wish I was there to cover everything. Unfortunately, I was not able to make it. So I'm looking forward to hearing from the perspective of somebody who's actually there, boots on the ground, and who is on the scene in Ottawa. So Dave, I'm bringing you on. And um, yeah. Hey, Dave. Hey, buddy. How's it How's going? It going? <laughs> hey, thank you for being the first guest to appear on my show. I'm trying something new, hoping to have more guests in the future. But uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, this is awesome, man. When you said uh, when you said you wanted to experiment with uh, doing some podcasting stuff, then yeah, I'm happy to to help. So you, you got a lot of skills, as all uh, my viewers know who've seen you before, and uh, I'm sure you'll do a great job. It's uh, going to be a little weird being on this side of the chair my viewers will like it because uh i i like being the one asking the questions not having to answer them all so but i'll, I'll let you uh i'll let you uh be in charge this time yeah it's funny we kind of like reverse roles because <laughs> you're the first you're the first person whose um show i actually went on so yeah it's kind of weird we reverse roles now i'm the person kind of giving the interview um but yeah so first i'm just gonna ask so you were on the scene in Ottawa, of course, um, me and many others watch everything go down from the lens of streamers like you. Uh, I just want to know, like, were you there before the truckers arrived, and were you like waiting their arrival, or did you kind of come down once they're already there? Well, uh, yeah, I'll I'll rewind uh, a little bit there. So I, um, uh, well, the first time I ever heard about the convoy was like on social media and stuff like many of us. And, uh, I was wondering, you know, is this as big as they say it's going to be what's really going on? Cause we'd see these little clips and, you know, long time later, I found out that uh, a bunch of those clips I saw were from Tanner shout out to tire roasters garage and these epic like uh, drone footage of the convoy. And, uh, but you know, when you see stuff online, you, you don't know if it's real or not, or where it came from. And uh, I didn't know about any live streamers at that point. So all I had to work with was clips I saw online. But anyway, I was, I was hopeful that this was a thing. And, uh, and so I looked at the schedule online and I saw that there was supposed to be a convoy coming through, um, my area along the 401 near Guelph. And uh, I'm from the Waterloo area. And so I happened to be off work early that day. And I was like, you know what? I think I can make it in time to see this convoy. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I drove out to the overpass. And, um, and by overpass, I mean, I just went on Google. And this was one that had a parking lot near it. So I was like, oh, I'll go to that one. Uh, I didn't know if there'd be other people there. I didn't get invited by anyone. I just went to an overpass off the 401 that according to this website of the people I didn't know that there was supposed to be a convoy. And so I went out there, ended up standing for, oh, I don't know whether it was a three or four hours before finally saw some uh, trucks coming through. And that was the first time actually that I would have seen uh, the shed truck. I, I didn't really, it didn't mean anything to me at the time, but I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of neat. There's a shed built on top of a truck. And so I saw that truck go through and a few others uh, heading towards Ottawa. And uh, it wasn't just me on the overpass. There ended up being like hundreds 
uh, of people. There's over 200 people probably at this overpass wow. <laughs> waving flags and handing out coffee and uh, just, you know, this incredible positive energy. And uh, in that moment, I said, you know what, I need to, uh, I need to get myself to Ottawa. So I texted up a few friends. Uh, one of them's a trucker himself, and uh, they had already been thinking about going to Ottawa. So I hopped in with them. We took his little pickup truck and five of us shoved into this little pickup truck. I packed enough clothes for the weekend because that's mm-hmm. what I thought I was going to be doing. And then we uh, we headed to Ottawa and that was on the, the Friday. Uh, so, yeah, it was the Thursday that the, the convoy came through um, where I was near Guelph. And then Friday we headed up there and... Um, where did we stay? Uh, yeah, we stayed at a hotel downtown Ottawa and there was already a number of trucks, uh, down there. And then Saturday, some more trucks uh, came in and it was, uh, as, as you might've seen, it was, it was pandemonium those first few days. So yeah, that's how I ended up down there in the first place. Awesome. So, uh, you mentioned after the trucks passed by the overpass and you were on there with 200 people. That's kind of shocking. How do you fit 200 people on one overpass? <laughs> That's nuts. So well, was it? Well, there was like a big uh, embankment. So it was spread. Oh, yeah. There was across the um, overpass and then all the way down the embankment. There was just all sorts of people. Oh, yeah. And then tractors ended up showing up. <laughs> so like while we were there, this crew of like 10 tractors came rolling up drove off the road and came down onto the embankment and just parked uh, by the overpass as well. So that was pretty epic. So was it that day that you went down like downtown Ottawa or was it the next day? The overpass day was the Thursday and then it was the Friday. We joined in with another convoy that was leaving Kingston. Yeah. And that day was crazy too. So we pull into this truck stop in Kingston and actually, yeah. So late Thursday night, we uh we we got to we went to Kingston to stay at a hotel and there was someone waiting at this truck stop uh just to uh see if anyone came and they had fresh cookies baked for us and like all these things that became very normal uh for us in Ottawa these were my first experiences with it but there was someone there with fresh cookies offered us a place to stay but we had a hotel booked already and then we came back the next day and joined a convoy from Kingston uh to to finish the route to ottawa and there was like cars on the over cars people on all the overpasses as we went into ottawa and just uh absolutely crazy (laughs) so when you arrived downtown ottawa like what was the energy like were were people excited to be there like because i know from experience um from when i go to the rallies everyone's super nice one guy was handing out cookies the other day to everyone so like what was what was everyone's mood like on the first day when all the truckers were arriving in Ottawa. Oh, the mood was just like electric. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it, I mean, anyone who was there knows what I'm talking about, but for, I mean, anyone who, who wasn't just think like your happiest, most joyful moment, you know, the perfect birthday party or the best concert you've ever been to. It was just pure joy. And, uh, and everyone was just of one mind, like, waving the flags and and it was hugs and 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 fist pumps and everyone to whether you knew them or not it was just there was this incredible uh unity and it's it's like all this this tension and this desire for 
relationship and just human contact, it all just like exploded <laughs> in that moment when everyone was together and uh, all everyone just together in such like beautiful unity. So yeah, the energy was wild. Of course, the horns were crazy that first couple days. So it was just a chorus of horns, you know, almost forming into this harmony of different <laughs> horns that were going and fireworks going off and everyone cheering and uh yeah it, it was something to behold to say the least well now you're making me feel bad for missing out on it <laughs> but i could feel the energy coming through the screen like when i'd watch guys like Ottawa's down there and uh, you ottawa scotty i could feel the energy and um they'd be walking around there'd be like dance parties and stuff from what i was seeing and i do feel like i missed out for sure on covering that that would have been awesome um yeah sounds like it was a blast from what you're saying so kind of a couple days go by and um when was kind of like when the police kind of started to like crack down on you guys because i know um the emergencies act was invoked by um trudeau and um what was that all like well um let, let's rewind a bit there because for the first like so the the police I mean, really wasn't an issue until like three weeks later. So yeah. at the start there, um, so I came with this group of friends, uh, four friends. We came in a pickup truck and then the first like Friday, Saturday, uh, we were just waving flags and having a good time. And uh, but then very quickly, I, I saw how important this was, how big this was uh, becoming. And uh I said, I just, I can't leave here. So I, um, I decided in that moment that, uh, I was going to stay and didn't really know <laughs> what my, my plan was. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, thank you. Seize the day. Just, uh, super chat there. Um, by the way, I'm, we're on both channels here. So I'm on Tyson's and, uh, and my own. So won't always have the comments pop up there. Uh, but, so, yeah, so I was with these four friends. They headed home on the Sunday, and then it was just me. I didn't know anyone there, but uh, I was pretty confident that this was an important thing, and I wanted to stick around. So I, I didn't even know where I was going to stay uh, that night, but I happened to have a friend who reached out to me, and he heard I was down in Ottawa, and he said, uh, you know, do you have a place to stay? And I said no, and he's like, well here, I'll, I'll book you a spot at a hotel. I've got all sorts of uh, reward points. So he ended up booking me a spot at a hotel. And so I had that taken care of. And then I just started walking the streets, like trying to network mm -hmm. and figure out like what was going on. Because there was all this talk in the media that there was this big, organized, well-funded you know, group that was doing this. And I kept hunting around, like trying to figure out who these people were, because I want to help them. Like, and then, but everyone I met, they were asking the same questions I was. So I was, um, I, I went down onto Wellington street and, uh, one of the first trucks I hopped into was, uh, was Jay Vanderweer, the owner of the shed truck. And obviously that truck really stood out. It was yeah. pretty obvious to everyone. And so I hopped in that truck got talking to Jay and was like, what's going on here? Like, who, who did you come? I just assumed he knew what was going on because he was one of the truckers. He's like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I heard there was a convoy. So I hopped in my truck 
and I'm here now. <laughs> and uh, he didn't really know uh, anyone either. And so I started just like walking the line of trucks and talking to people and trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. And I quickly realized that this whole section of Wellington Street, everything from like Metcalf West was all these guys from Ontario who pretty much had come out on their own and uh, and didn't really know anybody. Uh, there were some like the Western Convoy and some of the guys from Quebec who traveled further together. They were a little more networked with each other, but most of the guys from Ontario were like me and just showed up and had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So <laughs> I started hanging out with some of them. And then like at this point, we didn't know anything of like who was doing what and what was going on. So we just started building friendships with each other and trying to help each other as best we could. And um, yeah, those, the first couple days were, were just absolutely wild. I, I ran into, you know, there were, it was very hard to figure out like who was responsible for what, cause it's not like you could flash an ID tag mm -hmm. and say that you're doing this. So people would come up and say, Oh, I'm in charge of fuel. And you're like, okay, that's handy. And I'll take down their number. And then the next day, someone else would say, no, no, no. Like I'm in charge of fuel. And I was like, oh, well, that last guy told me he was in charge of fuel. No, no, that's a different group. Oh, what group are you with? Oh, we're with. So, you know, there was uh, there was hug a trucker and, and kiss a trucker and help a trucker and adopt a trucker and all these different groups. And it all meant nothing to, to me or to anyone that I knew on uh, Wellington Street. So we just like formed this uh this group amongst ourselves and we're like trying to take care of each other um jay he started buying hotel rooms mm -hmm. and then guys would take take turns using the hotel rooms and we had one hotel room set up actually just for showers so there was a guy who stayed there and just opened the door all day to let guys come in and shower and uh all these kind of like crazy things uh just to try to take care of of each other so when i'd see these news reports of you know how they were talking like we were this one unified group that was uh, so dangerous or something and that was not you know what we saw on the ground at all it was very much like we we were all making it up uh as we went so yeah the uh the you cut me off if i get boring but <laughs> but <laughs> no, i haven't not boring I, at all a lot of my viewers haven't heard this whole story i guess yeah so, uh we started um yeah we were just building networks with each other uh the shed became this sort of meeting place for mm. the drivers in that area so um i i took it upon myself to kind of go around and try to network with people in different areas and then jay was really focused on networking with the truckers on Wellington Street. So me and Jay kind of tag teamed on that. I would run around trying to figure out how are we going to get fuel? Who's in charge? Where are we going to get money? What's going on? And then Jay was, um, Jay's just an incredible guy and just can connect with anyone. And so he was going around making friends with all the truckers and uh, started meeting in this, in the shed. That was kind yeah. of our, our meeting point. And uh, we started doing daily meetings with the guys to try to update them on what was going on. And then that it grew beyond the shed, but that <laughs> the first meeting in the shed somewhere, I think I could dig up some old photos from it, but uh, I took some photos cause I thought it was so hilarious. There was like 10 of these truckers shoved into this little shed and it became a yelling match of like 
what we should do and who's in charge. And it was, um, there was a lot of testosterone in the room and, uh, I was kind of sitting in a corner, just watching Jay try to handle it. And eventually Jay started screaming at the top of top of his lungs, like everyone just be quiet in ruder terms than that. And then they finally were quiet and then he tried to pull control of the room. So it was, uh, yeah, a lot of alpha males together in one place and no one really knew what was going on. And yeah. And then I remember jumping into some trucks and meeting these guys and they'd freak out at me. They'd be like, what's going on? Where, where's the gas? Where, where's the fuel? What's going on? I'm like, buddy, I just showed up a few days ago. I don't know what's going on either, but I'm just trying to figure it out like you. And, uh, but eventually we built this kind of trust between the guys down there on Wellington and, and the shed became this kind of meeting point for, uh, for, for the guys down there. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it evolved from there. Eventually we outgrew the shed and we started meeting in what was called the freedom trailer, which mm. was a big black trailer that said freedom on it. And there was an awesome, just like driver lounge that evolved in there that had food and heaters and chairs. And we would just hang out there. And that's where the daily drivers meetings for Wellington street started to happen. And that's mm. kind of how the first week started to uh, evolve. But um, it was, yeah, I mean, we could could go on books, books will and are being written about all this. Um, mm -hmm. It was incredible just to watch this grassroots thing evolving before your eyes, because there were, you know, a dozen every day I was learning about a new organization that was a part of this. And they were all trying to find their piece of where to fill in. But our little piece on Wellington Street was was uh, me and Jay just building relationships with as many of the guys in that area as we could and uh and trying to to take to take care of each other mm -hmm. as this conversation goes on i feel more and more upset that i wasn't able to be there <laughs> like I, I totally feel like i missed out on that um but w what point was it that you decided that you were going to start your own channel and that you were kind of that you were going to start broadcasting what was going on to the world right so I mean, it became very obvious very early that the media was not only being deceitful about what was going on, they, I mean, or not only bending the truth, they were just lying outright. So I'd often go back to my hotel and flip on the, like, uh, the evening news out of curiosity and to see what lies they made up about us that day, because I was right there in the middle of it. And after, after about a week, I was networked enough that anything that was going on in the downtown, I mean, I either knew about it or I could ask someone who knew about it and I could quickly find out what was really going on. And so by the time it was on the news, I heard about these things already and, uh, and knew what the truth was. And then to see it come on the news, you know, this people have heard all the stories before about the, uh, the war memorial and the Terry Fox thing and the soup kitchen and blah, 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 and whichever. And I've, debunked all of those enough and um if anyone wants to dig in it's not too hard to find the truth of what was really going on in those things but the news was just lying through their teeth and uh and what i was seeing was something very beautiful and something very special that was happening and uh what the news was portraying was very different and at this point i didn't really know that these streamers were a thing i'd seen guys going around with cameras I mean, to be honest, I, I always thought it was like a little weird people walking around with selfie sticks yeah. and uh, was never something that attracted me 
um, to going around with the selfie stick and filming what I was doing. And I just, it was not something that ever crossed my mind. Um, but then, you know, we saw what was going on and I, I'd started to do a little bit of, um, live streaming on my personal Facebook, basically just updating friends and family that I wasn't dead or arrested. And, um, and it was blowing up. And that was kind of my first realization of like, wow, I know what's going on down here, but the world doesn't. And so like I, the one video I did had like half a million views on my face, my personal Facebook. I, I just did a video of, it was of these, um, uh, pickup trucks with slip tanks, which like fuel delivery tanks. And they, they were empty, but the police arrested them anyway for delivering fuel. And I filmed that event and it ended up like going viral online. And it was like a little overwhelming for me because all of a sudden I started getting all these messages and it just, I'm not, uh, my viewers know that it's the limelight is not something I, I chase. And it, uh, it was kind of, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I ended up locking down my Facebook and, um, it, uh, it weirded me out, but I, I realized how desperate the world was for information. And, uh, so there was a group of us and, um, uh, my friend Sam, he originally had the idea to put like this stage on top of the, the shed. So some of you would have seen that platform that was up there and, uh, and like, that'd be a great spot that so we can get nice shots of the crowd and we could do some interviews maybe. And, and, uh, and then a few of us got together and this live from the shed, uh, was born. And initially we were just doing like little Facebook videos and Instagram, like, like lots of people. And, um, that then where the streaming thing came in was, um, this now fast forward to the last week of the convoy. And we were afraid we were starting to get very afraid of the police moving in. You know, we'd, we'd had all these warnings and it was starting to look like this might be real. You know, more police are moving into the city. We see these like military looking dudes, uh, et cetera. They start moving into the city. And, um, so mostly out of, I, for protection for our truckers, I set up some cameras on top of the shed. And, uh, so I, uh, had a 360 camera and then another webcam and I was just going to record onto my laptop was the plan. But then I'd seen, you know, how desperate people were for information. And so I thought, well, why don't I figure out how to live stream it? Um, I'd never used YouTube streaming before. And, uh, but I watched some YouTube videos and downloaded OBS and figured yeah. out all that stuff. And so I started streaming it. It, it was unreliable at best because we were working with a, um, a generator and, uh, and a cell phone to link the internet to it. Um, but then it, you know, just there's story after story of this at the convoy of just how the right pieces fell into place. But we put up on our sign uh hey elon we need starlink and uh i kid you not within that same day someone came up to us and said do you actually need starlink and we said yeah that would be really helpful for the stream <laughs> and uh and then he's like okay i'll be back and a few hours later sure enough he comes back with the starlink dish <laughs> and we we hooked it up on top of the uh there was kind of a rumor going around that elon gave it to us but no elon didn't give it to us at least not directly <laughs> But we did get a Starlink dish. We hooked it up on top of the shed. And then we were good to go with the internet. So for my last week, um, and and most things were running pretty smoothly by this point. So 
Um, so I had evolved into this role of, we called them street captains. So essentially I was responsible just to make sure everyone was taken care of on Wellington street. And, um, and so we had block captains looking after each of their blocks and then the street captain. So I'd check in with the block captains Mm -hmm. and then just ensure that anything they needed, we, we could get to them. The last week, uh, ended up putting a lot of focus into just keeping this stream going, uh, because I saw how important this would be, especially when the police move in. We also didn't know if they were going to like block the cell signals. So Mm -hmm. we thought if the cell signals go down, this Starlink and our little stream here might be the only, you know, evidence that we have of what's really happening. So yeah, we started doing this Starlink, uh, stream. And then I I remember coming back to it one day and there was like 5,000 people watching. And I was like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) What what is going going on here? And then the first like 20,000 subscribers happened in like that first week Mm -hmm. where everyone was just so desperate to figure out what was going on. And, uh, and then I'm curious to see in the comments if anyone was there in it was, I think, was it maybe the Thursday night before, you know, the police moved in one of those nights I was, uh, I spent the whole night in the, the shed because we'd heard like, we thought the Thursday night was going to be the night we thought they're going to try to clear us out before the weekend. And they're going to do it at night to try to get us all out of here before anyone shows up. So I ended up being up that whole night in the, uh, the shed and, uh, I was bored, so I turned on this microphone right here that we had gotten before for we were gonna do a podcast or something, but never ended up doing it. We were too busy. And I started just talking to the people watching. And I was way too embarrassed to turn on a, a camera or anything <laughs> at that point. So I would just talk to the viewers and they all sent they the the chat just lit up. Everyone's yeah. asking all these questions and what's really going on and are you okay? And uh so I started I spent that whole night you can look back somewhere in the streams, but I spent most of that night just talking uh, and answering questions on the stream. And, uh, I was pretty emotional. Uh, yeah. And I, was, <laughs> and I read some, read some of the cards that were hanging on the wall. And I mean, I really thought I could end up that, you know, that the police were going to move in at any point, mm-hmm. but, uh, they obviously, they didn't Thursday night, but they started, um, yeah, they started moving in on the Friday, and that's what you, uh, yeah, you mentioned there before about yeah. uh, the emergency, emergency act. So I think it was the Friday. It was either the Thursday or the Friday when they enacted that emergency act, mm-hmm. and then it was the Friday that day you saw, you know, with the horses trampling the people, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it all just it kind of it blew up. Uh, yeah. it blew up that day in a very serious way. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons that so many people are watching your stream is because there's like a certain trust that people have with live streamers. Whereas like with the news, it's like edited and it could always be edited to fit some sort of like certain narrative. And that's the reason so many people watch streamers is because it's happening right in front of your face. Like there's no editing to make a certain side look bad. Like you're seeing it live. So um, that's why I think it's important that the streamers and I think it was important what you were doing um to get it out there and it's important to have people um showing what's actually going on how was the media presence like was there like um camera like on every single corner like what was that like 
Um, during the con, the the cameras were pretty strategic. So you had guys like uh, Fox and and True North and Rebel. They were right in the mix filming what yeah. was happening. But the mainstream media were pretty selective. I remember the one day uh, everyone was chirping them hard because it was either CBC or CTV. They were up on Parliament Hill and they were facing their camera kind of down towards the empty side of Wellington Street. So you know if they tilted it. Uh, a few degrees you'd see a whole crowd of people and everyone packed in and but uh, they tilted it over to the other side and they had a reporter talking with just kind of a smattering of trucks behind them because most of the people were crowded in by the stage and that that kind of stuff was so frustrating because it's i mean whether you agree with what's happening or not the best the better shot is to turn it and see a big crowd behind them like well i don't care whether you think we're crazy or not but like at least show how many crazy people there are even if you think we're crazy uh at least be honest about what's really happening uh, down here and and we'd we'd see them down on side streets too sometimes you'd see the mainstream media down on a side street with just a handful of pickup trucks pretending like there wasn't you know 200 uh semis just the next street over lots of that kind of thing i had at least at least two interviews with the ctv uh, and one with the CBC that never aired. So they'd come talk to guys like me. Apparently, I wasn't crazy enough, so they wouldn't use the footage. And then, you know, you, so you do an an in interview, which I thought was an interesting interview, and I shared our viewpoint. And then that night, you'd see, you know, a couple guys swinging their T-shirts around their head yelling freedom. It's just fine. Like, nothing wrong with that. But it's it's funny that they would, like, rather just show a couple guys swinging their T-shirts around their head than like a what I thought was a productive conversation that I had with the reporter. And it was that kind of thing that you saw all the time. They were very set on painting us as as crazies, as as dangerous. Um, but yeah, the uh, it, it was I never had much trust for our media before this. And uh, and any semblance of uh trust was uh, certainly smashed and i think that was the experience for for many canadians um probably will never be able to trust these institutions again yeah i experienced the same thing like i mean you know i'm unbiased i show both sides but no matter what side you're on well you're li like, like you, don't say should... you're not biased don't say you're not biased but it you can show both sides because i think tyson the important thing and, and what sets like an honest reporter part is you're going to have biases in life, right? There's going to be, you're going to have an angle you take, like, for example, what's better, you know, baseball or hockey, you know, tell me what you think is better. I think baseball is better. And exactly. So you have a bias towards that. And as yeah. long as you acknowledge that and say, Hey, I've played baseball my whole life. I love this sport. Um, then like you can still be like, have a, have a positive viewpoint and, and cover a hockey game. But if, if, you know, it, it's not a great example because it's just sports. But the point yeah. is that, like, um, it you don't need to pretend like you don't prefer baseball. You just need mm -hmm. to be honest about the fact that, hey, baseball is my, my passion. and But I respect people who play other sports. And I want to see your point of view. Tell me why you think hockey is such a great sport. Let me, yeah. like, try to understand you better, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so you don't need to not have biases because we all have biases. Yeah. It's just important to admit those and then try to... Um, try to mitigate them or, or, or not let yeah. them overwhelm your thinking. Yeah. So here's like where my kind of thing comes in. Like I think too much of the media is biased and I, I don't think that we have enough people who are just 
showing both sides. So that's kind of what I want to do. Like when I go out there, I'm not like trying to pick either side, you know, I'm just showing what's going on, but that's the problem with media is they don't just show what's going on. Like I even saw like every single Saturday, there's like the big rallies in Victoria. Right. And mm-hmm. I never see like any media there, but like one day I was there on the weekend, there's like a small crowd. And then I saw CBC there. Like I've never seen CBC there once. And um, then they're there on the weekday where there's like seven people there of course, and yeah. then they're interviewing. So again, like I, I'm not here to support the convoy. I'm not here to be against the convoy. I'm here to show both sides, but that's the problem with media is they don't do that. And how can the people ever be informed if their media is always just trying to paint one picture, you know, not kind of show it all, you know, and that's yeah, kind of my just, thing. Well, news, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, there's always been an editorial bend in all, you know, media going back as, as far as media has existed. But I think the role of media and news is, is show what's happening, you know, legitimately show what's happening. And then you can present your angle on it. Of course, we all, uh, whether conscious or unconscious, we have our, our, our takes on things. That's what yeah. makes us human, which makes us interesting. Um, but, but show the event. Okay. So there's, there there are 5,000 people who are downtown, you know, Victoria right now protesting. You don't have to like, you don't necessarily agree or disagree. It's just, this is a thing that's happening. This is a newsworthy thing. Yeah. Cause the same thing happens in Toronto. I mean, there were days, some of the world freedom rallies where there were, you know, eight to 10,000 people marching in the streets of downtown Toronto and just silence from the media. And, mm-hmm. but then, you know, there might be 500 people for a cause that they agree with and uh and and they 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 cover that one but um but yeah you're you're right that it it should just be news should be predominantly about showing what's happening and then the role of talk shows and other things is to analyze that news yeah some some of the only good coverage i saw actually um shout out to global i mean their their coverage wasn't amazing by any stretch but global did have a number of segments that just showed what was happening i don't know if you ever saw any of those Tyson, but there were there were some cl- clips from Global that just was literally them walking around, showing some of the trucks, talking to mm-hmm. some of the people, and there wasn't even commentary. And uh, and some so some of the best clips I saw just had zero commentary at all. Mm-hmm. It just had a, a reporter walking around showing what what downtown Ottawa was like. So exactly, and that's what I'm trying to do. Is just yeah. I'm just the guy. I don't really add any of my own commentary. I'm just the guy showing what's going on, and I think that's important to have that for sure but um i see one of your one of your viewers there joyce mentions complete silence uh by about james top uh, there's another example where, where just they've ignored the fact that james top even exists <laughs> yeah i'm actually hoping to maybe um have james on my show it's not like official or anything but def that's definitely someone that i'd like to chat with for sure and uh, oh, i have you been story. in touch with his team I have not, but I think he has an email on his uh, YouTube page. I, I'll so. put you. I, I'll put you in touch with his media coordinator. Awesome! I'm, I'm Thank sure you. we could make that happen. Yeah, no Sweet. problem. Sweet. I just want to call us out. Um, somebody from my baseball team, Jonathan Rennerson, with a two dollars super chat. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Oh, nice. Just want to make sure I don't miss any of the super chats. Let's see. Oh, and we got another one from Queenie. Thank you so much for that. It says over here for a loud super chat. Freedom yell. Thank you, Queenie. Appreciate that. So I just want to kind of go back. So you were starting to get into kind of the police crackdown. You mentioned the lady got trampled by the horse. Um, that's just awful. But um, kind of 
go more into depth about that and what that was like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that Friday, uh, that was on a Friday. I spent most of Friday running back and forth uh, from down to the hotel laureate or whatever it's called. And uh, because that's where, you know, the front line as it were was, but the police were moving really slowly. They were coming up towards Wellington street, just kind of going truck by truck. And uh, Friday was really, I only say relatively peaceful because compared to Saturday um, it had plenty of violence of its own, but they were moving relatively slow relatively methodical on Friday. And then they had only covered a few blocks and what we kind of expected, sorry, what we kind of expected at that point was we're like, it Friday had come and we're like, you know what? I think we're going to survive the weekend because that's why I was so worried Thursday. Cause I thought they were going to push us all out by the weekend. It was family day weekend. We knew the hotels were sold out. It was going to be a big crowd. And then we made it to Friday and we thought, you know what, we might actually survive this weekend. <laughs> and um, and then obviously the police had the same concerns, which is why I think they upped the whole game on Saturday. But um, Friday, they obviously underestimated how long it would take them to uh, to clear us all out. So they started moving up the street, working truck by truck. They got to near um, that the fancy Chateau, Chateau Laurier, that's what's called. Yeah. And um and then they brought in, that's when they brought in these horses to help widen. I, I don't know what they claim it was to help move protesters away from police. But like, as soon as the horses go by, they all just smush back together. So I'm not really sure what that accomplishes, but it's a power trip. So the, the horses came through. They, um, I wasn't there when, uh, when the horses came through. Um, but, uh, they, they came through and ended up running over, uh, two people. And, uh, that's another CBC was had cameras on the hotel and had a perfect angle of that whole incident that night on the news they they showed the horses but they cut out the part where the people got trampled and it was already out there on the internet i'd already seen the tiktoks and people had sent me the footage and uh but cbc chose to just ignore that clip altogether later on they covered it because it couldn't be ignored it was all over like new york times and like you couldn't ignore it anymore uh, but they tried to, and they tried to pretend like it didn't happen, but uh, it sure did. So that Friday, yeah, I was moving back and forth um, from Wellington Street, just like, you got to understand that down there, it was the only way you knew whether something was really happening was you either had to have a trusted contact down in that area or be down there with your own eyes. And so most of my contacts were west on Wellington, and I didn't know as many people east and so if I wanted to know what was really happening there, I had to run down because we'd get reports of like, oh, like it's chaos and uh, and the police are like, um, you know, smashing all the windows and arresting everyone. And then I'd get down there and the police hadn't moved yet. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was it was difficult to know what was really going on, yeah. even for us right there on the street. And uh, you know, which again, you know, you mentioned the importance of the streamers, because even for us on the street, if I had known what streamer was down there, I would have been able to see exactly what was going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they tried to move up that that street on Friday. It it didn't go very fast. And then they ended up running over those people with the horse and then everything stopped. They just yeah. didn't move anymore after that. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, OK, well, maybe they're going to hold off for the weekend and so that Friday night, I went back to the the shed and I, I basically spent that whole night awake 
in the shed again <laughs> and I made it to, I forget what time it was, was it three or four in the morning? And I thought, okay, they haven't struck, they haven't striked yet. And I went and checked down again. They hadn't moved. The police hadn't moved. Everything was quiet. I thought, okay, maybe I can go get a few hours sleep in the hotel. So I went back to my hotel, which was just a few blocks away, got a couple hours sleep, wake up to a bunch of phone calls. The police are moving again. They're moving again. And so I ran and then when I came out of my hotel and they had put all these fences up to block off Wellington Street. Mm-hmm. Um, I I managed to uh, one of the cops turned a blind eye to me. He saw me. He looked right at me and I just kept going and he didn't do anything. And so I was able to get past him and get back onto Wellington Street. And by the time I got up to the shed, the the police had already moved up were coming towards the stage. They Saturday, they just went hard and fast. Yeah. They were beating people, smashing things, arresting everybody. So by the time I got up there, uh, they had already made it up towards the stage. So I, I hopped into the shed, uh, fired up the live stream and got the cameras going. And yeah, if you guys tune, if you look to the, uh, it's called the last stand of the shed. Yeah. And um, you can see that, that footage. Oh, we got uh, Coda B in the chat. Hey, Coda. Yeah, peace, love, freedom. Dave Tyson, love you both. You're amazing. Big shout out from Coda B to you. Yeah, Coda B123, fellow uh, Ottawa streamer there. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Did you meet Coda when you were in Ottawa? Yeah, yeah. We came across each other uh, awesome. a few times. And um, uh, yeah, he gave me some tips too. And actually, his was the first time I saw one of those uh, Steadicam uh things or oh the gimbal the gimbal thing oh I yeah asked, i asked him what's that and then he told me and i ended up getting one too so oh awesome <laughs> he he had more experience than me yeah um so we um yeah where is it we're i get the live stream up and running and then i don't know how long, as long you'd have to look at the stream but not too long after police start moving in they fire off the tear gas canisters they start shooting rubber bullets into the crowd they just start beating people um yeah, you can see the video of people just being beat in front of the shed. Um, and I I just committed in that moment of like, okay, I'm not I'm not leaving. I guess I'm getting arrested. And it's funny because my mother was texting me and she didn't know. She, my mom didn't know about my live stream yet, <laughs> which is probably for the best. Uh, she didn't know I had a live stream. And so she she would have been much more terrified had she been watching the live stream because the police were moving in and beating people and throwing smoke grenades and stuff. And my mom texted me and said, isn't it time that you maybe come home? <laughs> she <laughs> says, and I said, it's fine, mom. I'll be okay. Um, and this was minutes before the police burst through the door of the shed. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I just sat down on the bench beside the computer and just, was like okay i'm gonna keep this live stream going as long as i can and we'll see what happens so yeah police i heard them on the roof they went up on top of the shed i heard them arresting peace man and i could see it on the cameras and everyone just like screaming and i could see the smoke um the tear gas coming out from the crowd and it it was like yeah it was the most traumatic thing i've ever yeah it's gotta be traumatic yeah (laughs) to, to say the least Mm -hmm. um yeah and i didn't realize actually just how traumatizing it was till well many of my viewers would have seen when i was at rolling thunder ended up having a bit of a a panic attack on live tv there 
yeah. um, and just it all kind of came rushing back. But uh, they, yeah, so there's the screaming and the stomping on the roof. And then finally, I kind of knew it was going to come, but I just waited there. And then someone kicks open the door. There's a big rifle pointed right at my chest and I'm just standing there, hands to my side. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I think that, yeah, I know you'd have to listen to the audio. You can hear the audio because the mic was on in the shed and he's just get on the ground, get on the ground. So put me on the ground, like put a knee on my back and cuff me up. And um, yeah. And then they, you can see in the video, they led me outside and kind of passed me from one officer to another and uh and it was freezing cold too that that day was not (laughs) the whole thing was freezing cold but that day was especially really cold they lined me up on the sidewalk with a bunch of other people who'd been arrested and um then i they put my charges on a, a whiteboard so somewhere out there is a photo of me holding this whiteboard with my charges on it uh out in the freezing cold and uh but then i came to an officer and very thankful for this officer because as i was about to explain myself to her she cut me off and said stop 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 right there i was like okay and she says i don't have enough information to charge you so i'm gonna let you go and i said thank you so much she said aren't aren't you glad you didn't say anything (laughs) Uh, is what she said to me and so and and that's just worth pointing out because she didn't have to do that she could have thrown the book at me like some officers did to the people and and there were so many uh, men and women in uniform like that who backed us I mean I know that woman supported uh, us or at the very least was not comfortable with arresting us Uh, we had officers helping us with fuel delivery and by helping I mean ignoring you know even when they made it illegal they would just ignore that we were there we had officers even turning other officers away, like to give yep. us room to do our deliveries. And uh, and there were many officers working, giving us tips from the inside. Um, yeah, there was certainly not a unified hatred by any means. Yeah. Either direction. Um, many, many good women, men and women within the police force. Um, and so, yeah, she let me off without charges, but I was still loaded into uh, a van. Yeah. Well cuffed. And then they drove me like half an hour out of the city dropped me in a parking lot like some rabid animal or something and uh and then thankfully there was someone from bikers church waiting there to to pick people like me up so they (laughs) people from bikers church drove me to their church and helped take care of me but man that day it was crazy we didn't know where people were we didn't know who'd been arrested who'd been beat people weren't answering their phones that whole afternoon just calling people trying to find out if everyone was okay um yeah, it was it was pretty messed up. I basically sat at the church just kind of in stunned silence for the whole afternoon trying to yeah. reach out and see who was still out there. Um, what even would have been the charges? Like you're just sitting in the shed doing like nothing. <laughs> just like do you get arrested for like live streaming? Like it was um obstruction, mischief, and failure to comply with a court order. Hmm. um something some most of the people's charges were some combination of those uh things so and man there were people arrested who like literally got there that day like there was there was people who just showed up that day and it was it seems to me to be a total gong show i think they had a few specific targets that they uh were after um they might have identified guys like me and jay as 
kind of involved more. And so maybe that's why they were looking for me, but it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know because other people like, um, my friend, uh, Tyler, he, he tried to get arrested. He got out of his truck and he's like, this is my truck. Take me like fine. And then they're like, they just kept pushing him away. And he's like, okay, I guess you don't want to arrest me. But then other drivers, they ripped him out of their truck, pepper spray them and cuff them. And I was like, so I don't know if it, I guess just whether the cop had a heart or not. I don't know, but it seemed really random. Some guys got crap beat out of them and some guys got let go without nothing. So it was strange. So did you end up going back into the city of Ottawa after you were released or did you kind of stay clear from the area? Oh, I was right back in there. (laughs) Yeah. So I came right, well, right after I got dropped off, I got taken to the bikers church, which is like just on the edge of uh, just um, east of the, the city. And then, uh, yeah, I spent a few hours kind of getting my head clear, figuring out who was, you know, who was arrested and who wasn't and who was good. And everyone was, it was just a little chaos. But then, yeah, I headed back to my hotel um, and uh, I just, yeah, went downtown there trying to, but it, man, it was scary down there. It was, there was cops everywhere. It was like something out of a war movie. There's just like, they'd all question you. And um, the, I mean, I had a hotel so that like I had to show my hotel key. I had to prove that I was at a hotel, et cetera. Um, but if you didn't have that, then people were getting blocked away. Uh, if you brought out a flag, you'd get like harassed and threatened to be arrested. Even that day, there were still little groups that tried to form. Um, that evening at, back at my hotel, there was a group that was just waving flags and singing out Canada. And these guys came in and started pepper spraying them all. So I remember a guy running towards the hotel. He'd just been pepper sprayed like a big, big Eastern European man. And it's just like screaming. And so we ran into the hotel to like find some milk to, to help douse his eyes. And like it, it was like being in a third world war zone. It was the yeah. strangest experience ever. And this is right in downtown Ottawa. Those next couple of days were weird. So we had a lot of people that were kind of trapped in the downtown and it was it was dangerous to leave your hotel. And so we were sneaking around trying to get people out of the city. So the next couple of days I spent like, um, we actually had a contact who's just a lovely couple that gave me a ride one evening and gave me their number in case I ever needed a ride. So I called them and, uh, they helped me shuttle people in and out of one of the hotels. So they would come down in and they had to like, to get to, it took about half an hour to make a five minute drive into the downtown. So the only way they were allowed into the downtown is they had to call the hotel, ask for the specific name of the person they were picking up. And then the hotel would confirm that that person was indeed at the hotel. And then the cop would let them go through to pick them up. And so we did this with, you know, about a dozen people or so at the one hotel that I was staying at and just trying to get these people out of the city. Um, yeah. Just uh, completely mind-boggling to to do something like that. And this was trying to get people out. We're trying to send these people home, trying to get them out out of the city. Um, Jay was, was, uh, he'd been charged. My friend Jay, the owner of the shed truck, had four charges. He was not allowed back in the downtown without facing arrest. And so I had to settle up his hotel rooms and stuff that he'd booked for him. And just there were all sorts of these like little bits and pieces like that that was going on those next couple of days i committed to staying downtown for another week i extended my hotel 
uh, just to well, one to make sure we had somebody like a trusted contact downtown to keep track on what was happening down there. And then also, yeah, get everyone out and then to get, get the trucks back. Cause that was another big piece of it. Yeah. So as this goes on, I'm kind of getting more glad that I wasn't there. <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, I feel like I missed out, but now I'm kind of grateful that I wasn't there. <laughs> um, well, you could have left before it got great. We, that, we, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we encouraged yeah. most of the, uh, the, the young people to uh to maybe not stick mm-hmm. around so but you know me i would have tried to get right in there with my camera oh, i'm sure you would have been yeah yeah <laughs> we might have had to drag you out of there <laughs> yeah so um how did they like end up actually getting the trucks though because the trucks just kind of parked in like lanes and then they just like parked there like how what was the process of like removing <laughs> them like what like couldn't in theory the truckers just like get out of their trucks and just leave like I thought I heard somewhere that they parked strategically in a way that they couldn't be towed. So how yeah. kind of was that? Like, how did that kind of go? Yeah, that, that's true. We, we, we definitely, we did our, our best to not make it easy. So yeah, guys were chaining themselves together and, uh, and people took off tires and they were parking in different formations to try to make it uh, difficult. But I mean, the, some of the I've seen some of the footage, um, but they just they came in there just like they came with the cops with the tow trucks. They came in hard and fast, too. They were just throwing chains on anywhere they could and reefing these things out of there. And um, that's why a number of trucks were damaged in the process, because um, and then they um, they they drove some of the trucks out there, too, which, as I understand it, is is not legal that they're not, they're not allowed to drive someone else's truck but anyway it's minor and compared to all the other illegal stuff they did but yeah they were just you can see some footage that's kicking around the internet um, of just them pulling vehicles apart and it wasn't like not gonna lie it's impressive how quickly they managed to <laughs> yeah. to get them out i mean at the same time there were a number of guys who when push came to shove um, you know, and certainly nothing against any of them, you know, they decided it wasn't worth risking losing their, their truck and could totally appreciate that. So there were a number of guys that, you know, disconnected some chains and headed out before they were towed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, even still, it was impressive how quickly they managed to, uh, pull that out. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So they really cracked down. Like what, what day was the emergencies act? invoked like how long was a turnover from the emergencies act being invoked to the time that they really started cracking down like what day was it that that was invoked oh i'd have to check that but it was all within a couple a couple days Um, it it feels like it happened so fast you know like as soon as that was enacted like everything kind of um you know kind of went crazy from there yeah it um yeah, I'd I'd have to check whether it was all with, within a couple days of uh oh we got there's from Coda B there. Nothing will stop us from being peaceful and fighting for our freedoms. Love is key. Shout out to Dave and Tyson and all the mods. Yeah, thanks again, Coda. Um it yeah, all within a couple days of each other. So whether the uh um uh emergency act was it uh like the wednesday or thursday or something and then it was all yeah. it was all gotten rid of by the the monday like it was all mm-hmm. within within a few days they brought it in they came in hard and fast and they cleared it out and i believe yeah. that part of the reason for that was 
it, it, it looks like it wasn't going to pass the Senate. So the Emergency Act can be brought in and then they have three days uh, to, rat- to, to use it before it's mm-hmm. ratified in the Senate. And it was looking like it might not actually be ratified in the Senate. It might have got voted down, yeah. which would have been embarrassing for the government. So instead, I think the whole plan was do this hard and fast and then we'll we'll pull out and we'll say like, hey, look, we didn't need, you know, we, we can cancel the Emergency Act. It's all good. Um, and 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 not risk the embarrassment of uh, the Emergency Act being uh, not ratified by the Senate. So yeah, I as best I can tell, that's why they move so quick on that, mm. just to to try to get it done with before anyone had. Yeah. So uh, before and before like even really got passed, right? That, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the saying: it's easier to get forgiveness and permission. Like they didn't even fully get it passed, and they wouldn't. Well, did that. To, to to be clear, that the the legislature does allow for because it's designed for like a war so it's like the you know yeah the americans are invading and bombs are dropping and they need to enact it now so they can they can you know uh do the action they need to do they need to move people into shelter they need to prepare defenses and so it's it's essentially it's for proper emergencies where there's no time for debate there's no time to discuss this we just need to start acting and then as yeah. soon as possible we debate it and we ratify it in the senate and so that's why the legislature allows for it to be enacted immediately because yeah. it's supposed to be an emergency. It's not supposed to be a bunch of bouncy castles, barbecues, and a few trucks parked on a street. That's called an annoyance at best, not an emergency. <laughs> like, I get, I get it was annoying. It was supposed to be annoying. Like, we're, it's a protest, okay? Like, I don't think anyone was, like, n- pretending like it wasn't annoying. It, yeah, it definitely, it caused some some disruptions although far less than like what they acted like it and yeah there was some honking but but people also lost their jobs and you know our economy was was crippled and uh you know these forced vaccinations so i mean a little honking and uh, some disruptions to burger king if that's the price <laughs> we need to pay to, to for freedom then uh i think it was worth it obviously so <laughs> Yeah, and that was the first time in Canadian history that that was enacted, right? That emergency. Well, the first time of that version, but yeah, so there it's based on a piece of legislature like the War Measures Act, and now it's yeah. called the Emergency Measures Act. But the only other times it was used was was what the two world wars and like a major terrorist threat in Quebec. Um, hmm. And so, it, two world wars, uh, you know, a terrorist uh, attack, and then. Uh, like I said, truckers parked in the street. So yeah. Hmm. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> Trudeau's Canada, at least. Trish, I'm not just gonna leave you up here. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. thank you. Thank you for that, Trish. As thanks to everyone who supports content creators, Tyson and Dave. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for that, Trish. I also had um Wilson said 48 hours. So he just talked about the emergency act. So 48 hours since the emergencies act was invoked, did the police come in and kind of crackdown on the protesters i'm not yeah. sure if that's accurate but that's uh, no, i was what in Wilson that it was all here. very fast it, it i mean like i wish i'd kept a journal of those days but there really wasn't time for it yeah. uh every day was was wild it's really hard to even communicate even in a format like this of like er, these days where you never knew what was gonna happen so th- i for example the one night um uh 
shout out to my my fuel delivery buddy who will remain nameless but uh the first time i met him uh we were i was just walking the streets one of the first nights trying to figure out what was going on and this guy showed up delivering fuel and i said oh let me help you with that and so i grabbed a jerry can and and uh and I'm like, where, where are we going? He said, we're supposed to go to like a white truck at this intersection. Um, and so we, you know, we get to that intersection and there's no, there's no white truck. And so we like verify that information. They're like, no, definitely. There was a crest from a white truck at this intersection. And uh, anyway, no one, nobody was there. And, <laughs> and this ended up happening like a whole bunch, you know, nights like that, where we were told that this happened. And so you'd like run to that spot to help. I remember being told there was a child that was like freezing to death in a truck. And so we're all running around trying to find this, um, this freedom, this, this, this kid that's supposedly in a truck and yeah. everyone's worried about it. And we're knocking on doors. And so it's like, I haven't seen a kid here. There's no kid. Here. Do you know there's a kid here? No. Someone gets on the CB. Is there any kids here? No, there's no kids here. So, and they're like, where did this information come from? I don't know. Yeah. It like, it could have been someone saw something online who texted a friend who was there, who texted someone else, who said to a driver that this was happening. And it, it was like it, the ultimate rumor mill. So you never knew whether uh, you were chasing some kind of fantasy uh, or reality. <laughs> Do you think some of it could have been like opposition to the convoy, just trying to get everybody like running around in circles and like by spreading false information? No, I... I, I tend to, uh, and maybe some people might call me naive, but I tend to point to just human uh, incompetence. And I, I tend to find though, just like government, I tend to take the incompetence side rather than the conspiracy side. You know, I, I think there's other things potentially at play, but on the very surface level, you know, people, um, yeah, people meant well and they got over keen and but they weren't overly competent uh, and their energy and their keenness didn't quite line up with their competency level. And so they would try to be helpful and it often wasn't helpful. And I saw that happening a lot at yeah. the convoy. So I maybe that there was some uh, some interference from other sides, but uh, I, I think most of it was just uh, just genuine confusion, lack of communication lines. So many different people trying to work together. Yeah. Well, that's got me thinking of a question that I probably should have asked earlier as we're kind of wrapping up now. But maybe you could quickly touch on this. How was like the counter protest presence? Was there a lot of counter protesters? Because I remember seeing on the news they would show like big crowds. I'm not sure. Like how how was that? Uh, first, just want to acknowledge Anonymous there. Thanks for the super chat. I support Trish's comments supporting content creators. Really appreciate that. And then uh, and then Robin uh, Boostrom there. Keep up the great work, Tyson and Dave. Yeah, we it, we do really appreciate it, guys. And uh, a lot of people, um, well, you, you know Tyson from learning this game of, uh, it's it's crazy too. Even a conversation like this might end up getting, you know, demonetized because of what yeah. we talk about. And then you have to put it through a review process. Yeah. And then it might yeah. take 48 hours to review it. By then, everyone who's watched it is going to watch it. So then you don't yeah. make anything. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty much at the point where like everything I upload now gets a stupid yellow um, money yeah. sign next to it. Yeah. Yeah, like, it it's same for me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Welcome it's, to the club. It's rare for me to upload a video and um see a green dollar sign next yeah. to it. But yeah. uh, but that's why we, we you do it for you do it for the passion. But um, mm -hmm. the uh, yeah. yeah, like well, I you, you get free rent that helps you. You got a cheat yeah. code there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but when it comes to YouTube, like I truly don't really care about the money. No, I know. Like, You'd... of course it helps though, because like the software I'm using right now, I have to pay 19 bucks a month now to um, keep it running. So of course the super chats helps with stuff like that. I also yeah. bought my gimbal with money I made from the super chats. But aside from like reinvesting the money into like equipment, I'm a 14 year old. I don't need like a whole bunch of money. I do YouTube. Um, one, because I believe people deserve the truth and what's happening and uh, that people could actually see like what's really going on from a clear, non-biased point of view, just see what's going on. And um, two, because I love doing it, you know, but without yeah. a doubt, the donations do help. With no, and stuff it, it like comes that. across so, so clearly in your stuff, man. That's what yeah. I, I immediately, when I was showing your channel for the first time, I said, this kid's uh, got some passion. So I'm happy that we've been able to connect, but you were asking about uh, counter protesters. Yeah. You know, shockingly, hardly any. Uh, and that one of the ways that I knew how successful, how supportive, how popular this was, and because there wasn't really counter protesters. Yeah. There was some like angry people on Twitter of like, oh, we hate them, blah, blah, blah. But like down there, you know, you have a hundred thousand people supporting this. And then maybe it'd say two or three in the day that would um, you know, carry a sign of like uh, go home or whatever. And yeah, and this I'm including here the people of Ottawa too, because it is absolute a lie to talk like the city of Ottawa was unified on this. Yes, there were people who were obviously very frustrated, wanted rid of us. But like every day, literally every day, I'd meet people. And this became a thing for Ottawa residents. They'd always introduce themselves as Ottawa residents. They'd come up to you and say, I'm an Ottawa resident. You know, hand you some money and thank you for being there. And like this, this happened on the on the daily. Um, so clearly a lot of support uh, from the people of Ottawa. No unified um, opposition to us. Like I said, one or two stragglers of counter protesters. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if they were, were scared. Absolutely. Clearly nothing to be uh, scared about, you know, even, um, but, but I mean, you know, that's what Trudeau wanted to play that up. That's why he had to go hide at his bunker or whatever he did. And you know, what's funny about that? Friends of mine are members of parliament and they had to walk every day through the protest to get to work. Yeah. Right. So, so it's so dangerous that our, our prime minister has to go hide in a bunker. But my buddy is an MP He's got to walk every day th through it. He's just like, hey, if it's so dangerous, why why are you letting me walk back and forth through this thing a couple times a day? Like he'd go out for lunch and walk by it, go get a coffee, walk through the protest again. And all the members of parliament and the staffers were all doing this. It's like clearly they didn't actually think there was a threat to anyone. Because if there was, why would you allow the members of parliament to be exposed to a, a threat? Yeah. Um, and because there was, they knew there was no threat. Clearly there was no threat. They, they knew what we were about. Um, and so, yeah, a handful of counter protesters, uh, there was, um, yeah, one lady who'd come out sometimes at night and she had a little sign that I don't remember. It's like fascists or something. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. even, even they were, you know, respectful, you know, shout out to Canadians for the most part, we're, we're, we're pretty nice about our protesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like even the counter protesters, it was pretty friendly. I, I had a chat with a couple of them too. And, um, you know, I didn't get a hug like from our protesters, but they'd they'd converse with me and and we'd had open dialogue. And of course, I, I celebrate that. I, I welcome uh, peaceful counter protests that, you know, that's how it's part of how we tell, you know, it, like I said, it's part of how I could tell how popular this was because there wasn't really counter protests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I You're going to ditch already? 
I plan to kind of go for an hour. Is there anything that we didn't touch on during this interview that you think is important that you share? Oh man, the uh, it could go on. Uh, yeah, with, with stories. I'm gonna you have get, to have you on again. Do you got to sure. get going, or you want to wrap up, or what? I I could keep going. I don't have to get going. I just kind of planned in my mind to go for an hour. Oh. I'm I'm free. Well, you though. gotta just roll with the flow, man. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, true. Get, I could keep going for a little bit because we want sure, to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go through the whole story again sometimes, so we'll get it yeah. all out in like one segment. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> only if you, sorry, you're in charge. You're in charge. Oh no! I'm, oh I'm no! Not forcing you. No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so the what well, we got, so we got everyone out of the city. Um, we um, it so it's mostly like some mostly truckers and some kind of um, people like me who are more involved that were still there. And then um, these trucks had all been taken to an impound lot. And so, and we were told seven days and like, what a crazy way to get trucks. You want to get these people out of the city. So you impound their vehicles for seven days. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, so anyway, the, the vehicles get impounded. And uh, so we're, and that was a whole process too, finding out where the vehicles were. So we spent a couple of days asking around and figuring out where the vehicles were. And and this is uh, um, this is uh, about the time when I started doing the kind of podcast, more traditional yeah. streaming thing. So after it was almost like a therapy thing for me. After everyone cleared out. Uh, and then, you know, I'm getting all these messages, like what's going on. And I was in that first video, I was sitting in my hotel and just kind of gave an explanation on what had happened. And, and then, um, I started making a few videos that week. I walked around the downtown showing people the fences and how empty everything was. And, and that's when I started doing the first kind of like more, what people think of as streaming and, you know, took the camera off the mount and actually started walking around filming things. And, and then I went to the, I went with the drivers to the impound lot and, um, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, a lot of people watched that video of, um, the, the, there were window, the windows were all left open. Uh, Tyler's truck was left running. So it was, it run totally dry on the diesel, which is really bad for a diesel. Yeah. And, uh, there was money stolen from vehicles. There, there were these signs on some of the trucks that said caution video recording may be occurring. Yeah. Uh, and that was the police put that up to warn other police that there were cameras on some of these trucks, which I just thought was hilarious that it's like, do you really have such little trust in your police force that you can't tow a vehicle and drop it off at an impound lot without being worried, uh, being worried about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I did that video and, uh, then I, I thought my job was done because I'd kind of committed in my head that, you know what, I I committed to help take care of these drivers on Wellington. Everyone's got their trucks back. All, you know, I kind of did what I set out to do, took care of these guys. We stood till the end and like, let's get out of here. <laughs> and then I just happened to, uh, right before leaving, that's when I heard about um, Iconic Cafe. Right. And that's that was the first kind of dabble into to journalism. Did did you uh, follow that whole situation with Iconic Cafe? Um, I'm not sure. We might be thinking about different things. I think I might have seen a video where they're like in a cafe or something and the police are like trying to break down the yeah. door. Is that the same? Yeah, that's, yeah that's I saw the that. 
Tri- <laughs> what is I saw Tris said here, uh, Tyler's like, no, let's go play baseball. <laughs> the um well if i'm keeping you from a baseball game by all oh means. no no i picked a day where i was free so oh, i mean perfect. in theory we could go all night <laughs> i mean if you still have important stuff to talk about i'm, I'm no i'll just i'll finish sure. i'll finish the tale for you so the um uh yeah so then the iconic cafe thing happened um yeah he kicked the police out of his restaurant this was back at the convoy he was someone who who helped out a lot uh, you know, he hosted people at his restaurant, was just, he was open and like generous to people. And then the police like uh, shut him down and um, kicked him out of his restaurant. And so I just happened to turn on the camera and when I was talking to him and filmed that, and then that ended up like blowing up and it, all these things really showed me, you know, it, it made me all the more angry at media because I saw what amazing force for good. And I think you've seen a bit of that in your own work of, of the great positive work that media can be, where you can tell these untold stories, you can share, you know, the, these, these wounds that need healed and you can, you can be this gateway of communication between the elites and and the lower downs. And it's something that can, um, it's a very powerful tool and it can change lives in a very positive way. And it's so sad to see how our mainstream media chooses to use that as a, as a tool for propaganda and pushing government agendas rather than speaking up for the little guy and actually telling the news. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yes, there's that piece of telling the news, but then there's also the piece of sharing stories and, and like helping people. Um, so did that story of iconic cafe, the, the give send go uh, ended up blowing up and mm-hmm. like he raised over $60,000 to help wow. him start a new restaurant. Yeah. And then, um, and then I was kind of hooked. So then I kept, I kept doing this and saw, you know what, until if it ceases to be effective and it's just like, um, you know, if it's just me wasting my time, then I'll go back to my day job and I'll shut down the channel and I have no interest in wasting anyone's time. But so long as I can keep making a positive impact, I'll keep making videos. And so yeah, that, <laughs> that essentially brings us to where we are here where still yeah. doing these videos and uh, and trying to get the news out there. So just to back up a little bit, so that video of the police smashing down the doors of that cafe, was that taken by you? Because I think I, I think I originally saw that on like Twitter from like Rebel no. News or something. No, there was, uh, it was, so that's what brought Iconic Cafe to the spotlight where they embarrassed the police. Um, I forget the guy's name. I did talk to the guy who filmed it, but there was a guy who filmed it, just put it out there. And it ended up blowing up online, and then um, it uh, it would seem almost as like punishment for because that video made the cops look bad, and so they showed up, you know, later and they gave him a bunch of tickets, and they ended up evicting him. He ended up getting tickets in his restaurant while it was empty. So he was after he was being evicted, he was there getting rid of his stuff, and they gave him a no mask ticket in his own empty restaurant, which is just absolutely insanity. Um, so no, that video, that original video blew up and that's how people knew about Iconic Cafe. And then I just happened to do a little video where I was filming him like emptying out his, his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Teresa, who my viewers will know, uh, set up a give, send, go. And, and then it just ended up blowing up. And uh, that's what I meant yeah. of just how 
just sharing this story and putting a link up can end up impacting someone's life in such a powerful way yeah. for, for good or for bad. So, yeah, you know, keep that in mind as you keep doing mm -hmm. what you're doing, that it's it can be a very positive force for good. And I hope exactly. you keep using it that way. Yeah. So what exactly was he getting in trouble for just like for inviting in the protesters? <laughs> Yeah. So the whole story in Ottawa was that, right, we were disrupting business. We were we were the baddies. And he broke that narrative and he left his restaurant open and he was packed. He told us how he made like like he made back almost like the money he'd lost that year in, yeah. you know, in a few weeks of being open because you think you think it'd be a good business over. Uh, strategy to just stay open oh yeah it, and, right? and there were a number of businesses that did and they made a killing uh <laughs> the one guy i talked to he, he, like a shawarma place he ended up being open like 12 hours a day he was usually only open for like lunch and dinner but he just opened up as much as he possibly could yeah. because the it was just bankroll because <laughs> mm -hmm. people wanted to warm up so then they'd buy some shawarma buy a coffee hang out buy another shawarma tell their friends to buy a shawarma and there was lineups in and out of the doors of these places like all through the day. Timmy's and McDonald's never had such good business in downtown Ottawa than we were there. Literally lineups, you know, down the street all uh, all day, every day. Uh, so it's complete lies about the businesses. The only businesses that struggled were either chose to shut down or the government forced them, like in the case of the mall. Uh, the mall was shut down, but not because of the individual owners um, that uh, there was however that works, but there was pressure from on high and the mall itself was closed. So then the restaurants and such in the mall couldn't do a business. But anyone yeah. who chose to stay open did great. Uh, there were many people like uh, Enrico. It just um, his story really, really caught people's attention, which is especially how poorly he was treated being evicted from his restaurant. Um, but there's no doubt stories that that we never heard and I was never able to cover of uh, others who may have been, you know, that the city may have come after them afterwards because yeah. they, they know who the restaurants are that stayed open. And I wouldn't doubt that that their lives are more difficult uh, now, but good for them for... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that I'm congratulating someone for just <laughs> running a business. It's yeah. Like, you're, you're a hero. You sold coffee and donuts. <laughs> but this is where we are at a country, right? This is... You're a hero because you stayed open and sold coffee and donuts <laughs> because we have a crazy government that wants to shut you down from selling your coffee and donuts when they decide that you're not allowed to sell coffee and donuts. It's just, it's, I, sometimes I feel like I'm living in a literal movie. Like I can't yeah. hardly comprehend that this is, I am sitting here spending my evening telling the government that they shouldn't stop people from running their businesses. Uh, wow. Crazy times, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that McDonald's and Timmy's were open and that they had long lines were oh, they yeah. punished for being open? Because you wouldn't think that they'd go after like big established companies like McDonald's and Tim Hortons. Do you know anything like that? Um, yeah, that's that's a great question. And I, I wondered that too of like um, because like right across the road from Enrico's was a subway and they were open too. So um, but I I never heard of any repercussions and I would doubt so because they have their big um, – they have their big legal teams. They can they can fight mm -hmm. this, and uh, it, uh, yeah, it, they they are better able to defend themselves. It's the little guys that you can push around, yeah, and uh, and you could shove down. So I I doubt that there was any recourse for places like Subway and Tim Hortons and McDonald's mm -hmm. um, because they are they're tough targets, and um, 
where someone and it was really backward how Enrico was treated because legitimately he was behind on rent, but so were you know most businesses down there, and he was paying back his rent because of the money he made at yeah. the convoy, and then they just cut him off out of the blue and said, "You're out of here." Conveniently, all it, it just the timing and how it all went down was pretty obvious what was going on. Yeah, but they had at the base of it, they had this like excuse to use. Whereas I doubt that was the case for something like a Tim Hortons or McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't that initial excuse to kind of start the push of them out of there. And yeah. so uh, that's one of the differences there too. But it's it's also easier to, it's always easier to beat it. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're a big bully at a school, are you going to go after the guy who's your, twice your size? Or are you going to go <laughs> after the little skinny guy? Well, of course, exactly. every, every bully knows you go pick on the, the scrawny guy. And yeah. that's exactly what we have as a government. It's like, oh no, ooh, they could put up a fight. Oh, well, but let's get that guy. We'll go yeah. pick that guy up and make a make a point out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is welcome to uh, to Justin's uh, Canada, where where we can compare them quite effectively to a schoolyard bully. That's where we're at as a nation. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. So, kind of just to like back up a little bit, because I mentioned in my interview I did with you that the two people that i heard of that i heard of the convoy through was autowax and pat king so i heard of pat king through this other streamer i can't remember and i remember i was watching him like driving into ottawa um to focus on pat king was he because i know he was probably like one of the first people that the police is going for was he arrested like the saturday or before like when did kind of his arrest take place and were you kind of involved with that um i don't remember offhand when he was uh arrested i wasn't following his story that closely and what's yeah. what's interesting there and it you know it, it's an, it makes for an interesting discussion because they um the government wanted to just lay the law they're still laying the law down on him he's still not out of jail by the way and mm-hmm. quick update for those following that um my contact who who is in touch regularly with Pat, um, hopeful that he may be able to get out this week, but but no guarantees. And uh, it's it's just absolutely insane that this man is still in in prison. And so the government, um, he he was, uh, they made him the spokesperson. Essentially, they they decided that okay, we're gonna we're gonna lay the law down this guy. And as best I can tell, his crime was being successful on TikTok. Um, he was, he was very, um, outspoken and, 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 and a lot of people were following him. Um, but by no means, like if, um, as, as far as just actual activities on the ground, I'm as worthy of, of prison as, as, as he is. Like there were so many of us that were delivering fuel, delivering food, um, just helping take care of drivers. Like it's, it's, they're clearly, it's just a political prisoner. They're just making an example uh, out of him uh, and w- what's Tamara's crime having a successful fundraiser like um, they just picked these people that they wanted to make examples of and so I, I didn't I didn't know um, Pat personally and I hadn't met him and um, I hadn't even seen many of his videos because you know as I got uh, more involved the people that I was meeting that were involved uh, with that they um uh, yeah, they said Pat's his own guy. He, he does a thing. He, uh, yeah. he, he serves his, his purpose, but like, he's not uh, like a part of, um, he, he wasn't a part of the structures that I started working with. 
And mm-hmm. um, he, like I said, his crime was being a successful media influencer. And, um, and for that, they wanted to hold him up as this, uh, hold him up as this leader so they could smash him down and, and punish him, uh, which is, yeah, just was a pure propaganda campaign uh, against him. And um, so I wasn't really, um, I, I wasn't following what was happening with him, but I had heard, yeah, that he got uh, uh, arrested there. And yeah, the arrests were all over the place because, I mean, I, I know people who were very deeply involved with with management and everything from, from earlier stages. And, and then they never even got, they didn't even get their bank accounts frozen or they never even got a slap on the wrist. And yeah. then other people... Um, like like Pat, Pat who are who are more provo- involved on a, a periphery sense then then they like he's in prison still yeah. <laughs> it was just like they they just kind of made it up a, as they went um there's there's people out there who who one person's facing a lawsuit and they had time in prison and they had their bank accounts frozen and they literally did like the same job as someone else who uh got off with nothing like yeah yeah they 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 mm-hmm. It seems seems like they were just kind of grabbing at thin air, trying to th- throw charges and, and <laughs> see. But something weird is very much going on with Pat. I was shocked when I heard how he's being treated still. And um, yeah, I've been doing what I can to uh, to try to bring some more attention to to that. And but we're hopeful that uh, he'll be able to get out soon here. But it, it's yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Um, yeah, it's absolutely insane. So one of the other people that was kind of involved with it, Tamara Lich. So yeah. she's out on bail, but she has like very strict conditions. Like I think I believe she has like a ban from social media, and she has like a ban from Ottawa. Do you think that if Pat does get released on bail, that he'll have the same like restrictions from using his platform to reach people? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks, uh, Vic BC Live. Uh, sharing a little love your way as well. Thanks to you and Tyson both for the excellent interview. Uh, yeah, um, I got to meet uh, Vic BC over uh, over a Zoom call yeah. thing, and uh, I love the little community you guys have out there. In in for for a little island, you guys are making a big punch in the freedom movement. So so good on you guys. Um, yeah. So the um. I think that's exactly what what they're doing. I think they're trying to um, they're trying to beat Pat down to the point that he will sign um, like a like a gag order, basically like a non disclosure that that they're going to not a non disclosure gag order, better term, but they're going to try to force him to a place of where he will agree to to not speak up on this. Um, they fear his voice, obviously, and um, and so as best I can tell, that's what's going on. They're trying to wear him down mentally, get him to a point where he'll sign anything they put in front of him. And yeah, no doubt they'll want a gag order where he can't go on social media. He can't talk about this. They'll want him yeah. out of the province, which is just absolutely there, – there's no – I'm no lawyer, but there's no way it's constitutionally allowed to just ban someone from a province. Like I'm, I'm unclear – I mean, maybe there'd be justification for like keeping him out of the city of Ottawa if they felt that was dangerous. But like, like, wh- what do you mean? He's not allowed in Thunder Bay. You know, is that <laughs> it just it, um, to, to just restrict his travel in that manner? But I, I mean, obviously, they don't care. They, they still restrict my travel. I still can't get on an airplane. So 
what what you'd think would be common sense and, and basic laws of this country are are not in play here. So I think they're going to try to get as long a list or longer for Pat as they did for Tamara. They're going to try to. Um, he is very hurting and he is very damaged, and uh, and they want they're going to take advantage of that to try to get him to sign on the dotted line. And I th- yeah, I think you you've got it right on there that that's exactly what they're trying to do. And it's disgusting. Yeah. Cause that's not just like, yeah, that's manipulation. Yeah. It's coercion. It's, it's not right. It's not justice. Yeah. And Pat has a massive platform. Like I said, he was one of the people I first found out of it through. Um, I think I was watching was one of his Facebook streams. And again, it was from his perspective driving into Ottawa and I think he had like 10,000 people watching a live stream. So without a doubt, he was definitely able to influence a lot of people. So I'm probably pretty positive that if they were to let him out on bail, there would be that kind of restriction on his social media for sure. Because he has the ability to reach a lot of people. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I I, I hope that um, I hope that that's not the case. I mean, it's. It's it's so it's easy for me on the outside to say, oh, you shouldn't agree to that. Um, but I I completely understand why someone in that position is going. He shouldn't be in that position where he has to choose between his ability to get out of prison and to speak out on this issue because um, the whole world needs to hear exact because based on what I'm hearing from people who have visited him and are in direct communication with him. The whole world does need to hear how he has been treated, and it's it's disgusting. And uh, he has a right to speak up on that for how he's been a political prisoner and how he's been abused uh, through that process. And um, and so I hope his lawyer can uh, can figure out a way to to not end up with that because it seems to me to give them exactly what they want. That they the whole reason they put him through all this is to stop him from from having a voice. And uh, I believe in freedom of speech and he should have a right to, to make his voice uh, heard as well. So, um, but I, I do, I hope that he'll have a voice and I hope that he can have a voice that speaks to, to unity and, and, and uh, the need to continue to stand peacefully and to stand uh, unified. Um, Yeah. I, I, I hope that they haven't, um, I think there's, there's, uh, I don't know him well, but uh, what I understand is there's there's a good man there who who cares deeply uh, for his country and for his the ones that he loves, and uh, I hope that he can uh, get a chance to to share that and be be a voice uh, for freedom and a voice for peace um, when he gets out because yeah he deserves to have a voice and and share about these experiences that he's been through. Yeah, I think Pat's been like with kind of the whole freedom movement for like a long time, like even before Ottawa, like I said, I just found out about Pat when all the Ottawa stuff started, but I was kind of scrolling back in his page and he's got videos from like a year or so ago that was kind of trying to start up this whole movement. So he's kind of been at it for a while. Do you know, is Pat a trucker? I I'm not sure. Is he, do you know? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that was just always my assumption, but like I said, I, d- I don't know him that well. It kind of got brought into my life here when I just, uh, heard what was, how he was being treated. And I was just so disgusted by that, that I had to start doing what I could to help. So I haven't followed his journey and, um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but but that that was my understanding. Uh, yeah. I'm sure people in the messages can or in the chat can can clarify. Uh, I just want to point out here, Max Power. Uh, glad you enjoyed my book, Making Fun of Trudeau. Uh, is there any organization helping those from the protests? I can donate royalties to. Um, yeah. So shout out to to Max. I need to. Um, I, I will acknowledge. I was. I'm gonna. Thanks for the reminder, Max. Because in in a stream, I'll definitely show a clip from that book. Uh, so Max did a um, like a children's book in the style of um, like uh, Doctor Seuss. Uh, yeah. I believe, I believe, hey Max, if you're still in the chat, there you could post the link to your Amazon because. Uh, and uh, by all by all means, I I he gave he let me read through a copy of it, and uh, I can highly recommend it. It's very funny, very cute. And uh, Max, if you're in the chat, there definitely post a link to your to your book. It's it's done in a and it, it's uh, it's family appropriate too. You could you could read it with your kids. It's a fun little Dr. Seuss style book about how what is it how how the Trudeau stole Canada or something along <laughs> those lines um, instead of the Grinch stealing Christmas. Um, anyway, very funny. Uh, it's kind of clever. <laughs> I approve. And uh, in another stream, I'll I'll get a clip of it for people to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, there it is. There, Max. It's called "How How the Prime Minister Stole Freedom." That's what are it's you called. are you able to like pin it so it shows up on the screen, or do you not well, have? I'll that? get uh, I'll get Chris, Christina will find a link there, and uh, <laughs> awesome. I, I will acknowledge it uh, further because I I do think it's very funny. Yeah, um, I saw I saw somebody's comment that says um, "Poor Pat and Freedom George." So I guess there's another person. I guess was with Pat. His name's Freedom George. Who's also still being detained, from my yeah. knowledge. I, uh, again, I don't, I don't like to talk too much about what I don't have. So I don't have direct contact with George. Yeah. Um, that, uh, so then I can't, as far as I understand, he's still in prison. I was under the standing that he was moved to a different prison than Pat. Yeah. Um, but I don't have direct contact with him. So I, um, I don't know what is the, and, but as far as I can tell, um, George's only crime is being friends with Pat. So <laughs> if Pat's crime is being successful in social media, and George's crime is being success, being successful friends with Pat. It's just all totally nonsensical. Um, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Have we touched on any everything? Like, if there's something that's like, you know, you want to talk about it, definitely go ahead. Like, do you think we've covered everything yet? <laughs> In terms of like, like if there's yeah, something that you want to you, talk boss. about, definitely. Go Any, ahead, because um, do we want to do some? Uh, well, you 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 uh, you can wrap up whenever you could do some. Uh, I'm curious. Can I ask you about the uh, for for my viewers who didn't see the the event this past weekend in uh, Victoria? How did how did that all go? You got to interview. Yeah, if you yeah. guys didn't see it, um, Tyson did an interview with uh, Brian Peckford and yep. with uh, Roman, Roman Baber. Baber. Yeah, Baber Baber. How do I say it? <laughs> I I believe it's Baber. I think he said in his um, interview with me, Babber. Okay. Honestly, can't really remember. But yeah, I got to interview um, Brian Peckford and Roman Babber um, last Saturday in Victoria, and it was pretty pretty big event. I was streaming. Now, here's one thing. Um, so I did my original stream, and a doctor gets up, and he's I think his name is oh what was his name? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, can't remember his name, but he was talking about stuff that I'm sure YouTube would deem as medical misinformation. So I'm not sure. I assume. <laughs> okay, here's a 
here's the funny thing. So he was talking, right? And I'm, I'm right next to Vic BC Live, and we both look at each other like, should we mute it? Like, I don't want to get our channels both deleted. And uh, we came up with this idea that after the stream, we would add it to like private, and then that way we wouldn't get like a strike. Um, but before I could even like end the stream or anything, he's talking about like, you know, I'm not going to get into it on this. Um, but then my stream starts like glitching out. Like I've never had this before. I've never had my stream just shut down at the parliament. And it, it was during his speech and my stream just froze and then ended just like that. And then of course I ran, put it on private. I'm going to get that up, but I might have to trim that part out. But I thought that was like really like fishy hmm. and then like it kind of it almost screwed me because it was like right at the end of his speech and it was right before peckford was coming on so i almost missed peckford's speech but that stream is still up so if anybody's wondering like where is my stream coverage from like the whole event and why i only have peckford's speech on there it's because oh yeah so sorry to get distracted yeah his name was dr roger hodkinson thank you newfie for putting that in the, in there um, but yeah, I'm going to get that up. Um, but I just thought that was really weird that my stream just kind of cut out out of nowhere. Never had yeah. that happen. It, I've, I've had it a couple of times where it just, it went, it all went black. Um, that's I've what happened it. to me. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, no, it's happened to me twice and it was both during speeches, which is a little sus, uh, mm -hmm. considering, a you know, do of three, four five hour streams, uh, going around and, um, yeah. And so it's hard because then I've also filmed some some very controversial stuff that 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 was fine and didn't didn't cause any issues. So again, I don't I don't jump immediately on, but definitely there's indication I and hearing from other streamers that something funky goes on. Whether they have algorithms that kind of hold it until they can manually review, mm -hmm. I don't know. And not all of these things are like sinister. I mean. At the end of the day, YouTube wants to make money. And I always say, like, um, oh, that why do you trust businesses and, and, and you don't trust governments? It's like, well, I mean, I don't 100% trust anyone, but I trust businesses more because I know what businesses are up to. They're trying to make money. Ultimately, YouTube wants to make as much money as they possibly can, and they want to increase their share value, and they want to they yeah. make money. That's what businesses want to do. And so if... If the content, if they determine, will not be a wide appeal to to advertisers, and because YouTube makes this money on advertising, so if the stuff is too controversial, then then YouTube won't be able to run sell ads, and then they won't make money, and then they're just wasting space by hosting a video they can't make money on. Yeah, and and so there, and I'm not denying, of course, there's a huge like leftist bend in the the tech world, but there is also this issue of like, at the end of the day, they're just trying to make money on you. So whereas governments, you're never quite sure what the government's up to and what what their ulterior motives are. But but for the most part, you, you can trust that the, the companies are simply trying to make a buck off of you. So yeah. um, that's a bit of what's happening there. So mm -hmm. I uh, yeah, it's hard to know. And what is, I mean, I've had a weird thing on Parliament Hill and a lot of us have faced this of our phones not working on parliament hill and uh, i've talked to other streamers and different people involved in the freedom movement and if you get too close to parliament hill your phone just stops working mm. and so i don't know it's hard to know because anytime it's happened to me it's when there's a big event that's why i'm in ottawa 
And so it could be that there was just too many people in that area, which makes the signal cut out. But it, uh, that's the, anyway, as you can say, I don't like to jump. I like to, you know, as, uh, yeah, I, I, I like to try to figure out the most reasonable explanation and not jump to, mm-hmm. um, every crazy theory, but it does. Yeah. It, it's definitely, there are weird things like that with streams cutting out. I mean, at the convoy several times when, when the, uh, um, the base at Coventry was getting robbed of fuel, all of our streams cut out simultaneously. A number of us were trying mm-hmm. to stream it. And then for about 20 minutes, none of us could stream. And then all of a sudden it was back. And so there, there certainly are things like that that go on. But as to yeah. whether that's always what's happening or sometimes it's just a fluke, you know, hard to know. Yeah, it could have definitely just been a fluke. But I don't know. I thought it was fishy that like the whole time I've been streaming like for three months now, I've never, I mean, I've had that issue as I kind of wandered off of like the legislature area, but like the whole time throughout my whole kind of career of streaming the convoy, I've never had that issue by Mm, the legislature. So as soon as the doctor got up and he started talking, um, my stream totally cut out. So I'm, I don't know. It's up to the viewers to deem whether what he was saying is actually medical misinformation, but I believe that YouTube would interpret it as that oh probably yeah um here uh clearview investigations wants to know uh tyson man you going to ottawa to cover the james top event uh i don't know i'll have to talk to my parents about that <laughs> yeah not... i was gonna say you probably can't just buy your own flight uh yet no eh? no <laughs> but if i if i can make it down there which i don't think i will be able to unfortunately but if i can then i will well I'm, well, I'm sure yeah. you'll be uh, covering what you can from from there. Uh, yeah. Regardless, Someone... and I'll definitely restream people too if I can't make it yeah. there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, I see some people in the comments there are saying. Uh, uh. Yeah. The Kimberly says the phones lose signal because Parliament needs to block communication, so their lines stay open. It makes sense. So I'm told. Yeah, and 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 that's why I'd, I don't jump to any explanation. I'm simply it's a phenomenon we saw a few times, but it didn't seem to affect everyone. It seemed to just be certain people. Like for example, I have two phones, one that I use for streaming and then my personal phone and um, my personal phone did not work, but my, uh, my streaming phone did, um, which is, which is odd. So anyway, who knows what's going on there? I'd have to do some more investigating to figure out if there's any rhyme or reason to it all. Someone was saying there to ask you about, that there were some counter protesters there in, in Victoria. Is that the case? Yeah. So actually I should have said this earlier. So it was actually, as soon as I started up my stream, um, everything was like going fine. And then out of nowhere, I hear like people chanting black lives matter. And I look over and I see like a group of people just marching down to the parliament and scream black lives matter, trans lives matter, which I don't disagree with that, <laughs> but I mean, it was a counter protest and um, what was what happened? And I'm gonna t- touch on this. So I don't care, like if you agree with the convoy or not. I show both sides, like I always say. But what one of the counter protesters did is they ripped apart a Canadian flag and threw it on the ground and yelled "F Canada." And I'm gonna clip that out when I get that um, clip. But I. I I just thought that was disrespectful as somebody who, of course, loves my country. 
um, ripping up a flag and throwing it on the ground. And then I didn't see this, but apparently they also burnt the flag after. Like, of course, like counter protest all you want. I mean, right. But mm. that's definitely it's crossing the well, line. I wonder what they um, I'm just trying to see the connection there between um, acknowledging that uh, individual lives matter um, and then ripping a Canadian flag. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know. And then sometimes you wonder: Are you just trying to get attention because you know the cameras will try to grab that stuff? But yeah, the uh, uh, seize the day, uh, sir. Yeah, Dave. What are the July first hill plans and top plans? Um, I'll I'll cover some of those event related stuff uh, after this interview. Um, but thank you, there. Seize the day, will. So after we finish up with Tyson, then I'll uh, I'll finish off with uh, some of my own updates there too. But um, but yeah, so I, I, that's the first I heard about that in the comments that you had a counter protest there that you yeah. dealt with. So, yeah. And, um, as soon as I like kind of get that video up, cause I plan on unprivating the video after I, like cut out some stuff. Cause again, I don't want to get my channel deleted of course. Um, but I'm going to clip out that individual part. Cause I'm not sure. I can't remember if I got a video of them ripping the flag, but I did zoom in on the flag on the ground, which was like mm. ripped in half. And I did get them on audio yelling F Canada. So I'm probably going to clip that out for people who want to see it. Guys, let me know in the comments. <laughs> Should I, do you guys want me to clip that? out and just post it as its own like individual kind of clip. Well, and I could do that for sure. Sound but. like a friendly bunch of characters. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. They didn't have bouncy castles or free <laughs> burgers. And of course, no. like, I, it's not like I disagree with what they're chanting. Like they're saying trans lives matter. Black lives matter. Like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> But yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Where, where does flag, the ripping right? the flag come into yeah. to play? Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it exactly. uh, it's an interesting. Well, there's this. I think there's, um, yeah. Like I'll go ahead and say, like small-minded people who want to categorize everything into good and evil, black and white, and and this is what they've done to this freedom movement is. You know, they, uh, oh, freedom movement, bad. White, it's white supremacists. It's racist. They believe all this nonsense that the media said. And so they put that in the same category as plastic straws and water bottles. And, uh, you know, I don't know, only teaching reading, writing, arithmetic in the education system and staying away from um, all this uh, post, postmodern nonsense. And, and they put it all in the category of bad. And then... Um, and then the BLM and LGBT and all that is in the category of good. And so it doesn't actually matter what the individual event is, you know, convoy bad, this stuff good. So whether the BLM event is, is burning a flag and, and potentially doing some very dangerous stuff, um, it must, we can't get too upset about that because that's in the category of good. The freedom convoy Oh, well, they're doing a free barbecue and they have a movie night for kids. Like, no, 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 but it's Freedom Convoy. That is bad. That's definitely bad. We don't like anything they do. And it's this very, like, uh, polarizing view of the world. Instead of saying that, like, people can believe different things and individuals can be held responsible for their their actions, that all this group think is, is just so unhelpful. Um, well, I know from being a part of these freedom events is there, there's, there are people who do stupid stuff at the freedom events and, um, they, like in Ottawa protesters called police on other protesters to, um, to stop them from doing illegal things. And so 
it's not as simple as this worldview is good and this worldview is bad. Um, and uh, it, it's unfortunately our prime minister is one of these simple-minded people who has attempted to categorize Canada into these simple black and white categories. Mm -hmm. And and that's what leads us to this place now, because he went out and said that the freedom movement, freedom convoy is bad, bad, bad. And we don't like those people. And, uh, and he keeps sticking to his guns on that and <laughs> refusing to acknowledge that that incorporates a massive group of people. Um, you know, just like the, the unjabbed are bad, bad, bad. And, uh, He's not someone, you know, we all make mistakes and, uh, but he's not someone who's ever going to acknowledge that, that, that was clearly a, a mistake. And or maybe he doesn't even, you know, the first step is accepting that you have a problem. And I don't know if he's actually reached that first step <laughs> of accepting that there is actually a problem with the things that he said. Well, he's yeah. A, a, he's a character. So one thing I wanted to ask you is kind of back it up a little bit. And I'm not sure if you were there for this, um, but I heard on the news, uh, of course, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you that apparently the Terry Fox statue was in some way like they use the word desecrated from what I saw, like the video I saw. I saw a Canadian flag wrapped around him. Were you there for that? And like kind of maybe clear the air on kind of what you saw. Uh, th that. that That is exact. So you should know that you, whatever. Um, whatever you saw in the news is the worst state that the, that the Terry Fox Moore was in like the absolute worst state, because you can imagine if it was ever any worse, that's the image that the mainstream media would have sent all over the internet. Right. So you, you are correct. He had, they draped a flag. I know this is shocking. So brace yourself. They draped a flag over Terry Fox's shoulder. They even put a flag in his hand that was upside down. I know it's crazy. It's, it's disgusting. It's monstrous. And, uh, I, I know, I think at one point there might've been a t-shirt, um, that was maybe like hung over him. I know it's, it's shocking. It truly is. But, um, and like, yeah, I don't think it needed to happen. It, uh, but like, I, I also like I would not, especially with the flag, I would never have crossed my mind that hanging a flag over a statue would ever be considered uh, desecration. Um, and uh, but oh man, yeah, they jumped all over that. Now, interestingly enough, later on, an image of Jack Layton emerged of Jack Jack Layton posing beside the statue of Terry Fox that's out west, um, holding a, a rainbow flag, um, which is like whatever. But the rainbow flag. Point being that he did the same thing. He took a flag of a of, of something he cared about and he put it in terry fox's hand and then took a photo with it but that was okay because it was something that the media agreed with but because they put an upside down flag in terry fox's hand then it's called desecration so no that's literally the worst uh thing that happened with that monument and then after they made a big deal about it people immediately took down the flags and laid a bunch of flowers next to terry fox yeah so, like uh, like, I could see maybe, well, like, even still, it's like a stretch to say putting a shirt on him would be desecration. But I could see maybe that would be kind of looked at differently. But putting a flag of, like, somebody's own country, like, Terry Fox is a Canadian, hmm. and putting a Canadian flag over him, to call that, like, you could say what you want, but to call that desecration, in my mind, is a little bit of a stretch. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Uh, I, I, a huge stretch. But that was... They were so desperate to find something 
to uh to get us for and and you know that was that was the best they came up with which like says something about again the kind of people that were down there if the best you could come up with was an upside down flag um a a patch of urine within uh a few feet of uh the war memorial um what was there oh yeah the the lady who, who who jumped on top of the war memorial at one point uh like if that really i mean hundreds of thousands of people in the city for a month and that's the worst you could get not to mention we lowered crime while we were there that's a real stat that that crime dropped in downtown ottawa while the convoy was present um so it was uh it was safer than it had ever been uh, while we were there so if that's the best they could find at us then we did pretty darn good because the chances of like doing nothing you know say there's a scale of like one is um you tell a fib and like 10 is mass murder you know if the best if the worst that we got was to a 1.5 you know then we did pretty good (laughs) we did pretty good at the convoy because uh it it really didn't get it really didn't get too bad yeah and again that comes back to why i think it's important to have streamers because like the media and like whoever could say whatever they want but as long as the streamers like actually live like you're showing you what's happening in front of your face right so hmm. as long as there's streamers that's like sharing that and kind of showing what's actually happening you know that's important and again back to why people trust streamers is because it's live and there's no like editing to make either side kind of look exactly. bad it's happening in front of your face and that's why i stream and do what i do of course is um also because there's like a hunger for live streaming like you even you even said earlier that like people are desperate for information and um as a live streamer you're able to provide that um live so mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah I and there's there's no manipulation i you can't uh and well you can't manipulate the events in front of you you can't i like my live stream of uh the march in toronto i couldn't help that all of a sudden um uh a thong man comes jumping in front of my camera and uh well that's what happened so i can't i can't change it now so um that's a part of that stream forever now um yeah but uh the, like you can't uh you can't hide what's really going on so you see you see some of the best and, and some of the worst and you can judge for yourself yeah exactly what, which is which then same with conversation is i can't uh i can't jigsaw your what you said tonight into a box that, that, that fits yeah. my, my picture that I'm trying to tell. Cause it, it's, it's weird. It's so scary talking to these mainstream media because they would, they might take a half hour interview and they'll grab like 10 seconds or not even. And then you have to think about every 10 second little soundbite that you say it's over. Exactly. <laughs> you can't yeah. just chat. You can't just be yourself. Yeah, exactly. For sure um let's see kimberly says we don't trust all streamers lol <laughs> well, um, as to whether there's a difference between trusting you can at least trust that they're like whether they're telling the truth is a different thing what i mean is you can trust that like what's happening is happening right mm-hmm. now me and tyson are having this conversation and these are the words i'm saying and those are the words he's saying and yeah. we're not mixing and matching them I, what I mean is you can trust that you, whether yeah. you trust what I'm saying or he says that's based on character and what you've seen from us in the past, but you can trust that what you're seeing is what's actually happening. Same with if, yeah. if we're out filming an event, you can trust that, you know, there's, this is what's mm-hmm. happening in front of me in downtown Toronto right now. 
um, it's the closest thing you can get to seeing it with your own eyes. I think yeah. is, is what it does. And that's another thing that I kind of pride myself on is like, I never of course share my own opinions. I let people judge what they want to think and let people form their own opinions. I show what's going on and I let people think for themselves and form their own opinions and kind of let people judge for themselves, whether it's something they want to support or not. Um, I feel like that's also very important in media. Um, yeah, let's see. Miss T says, without live streaming in you, Tyson, I don't think people would ever really know that we have rallies here on the island. No, that's exactly I true. I would have had no idea. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, honestly, I would have imagined that uh, because uh, I haven't been on the island a lot, but it's, it's apart from Victoria, it's like a lot of little small towns and it, it's pretty rural. And I, I wouldn't have thought that there'd be kind of an, uh, I, I, it's impressive how many people for, especially, you know, per capita as a, as a measure of the, the size of the Island, how many people have come out to, to some of those events is quite, yeah. quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Really. Well, it is, a, it is a pretty large Island, but I, I get what right. you mean. Like, it's kind of like isolated, like it's on an Island. not Right. But it's not like but... there's a Victoria is the only larger city yeah. and then it's a smattering yeah. of towns and villages and cottages yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's uh and what, what's, I don't know what is the population of Victoria ish. Uh, I'm not sure the population of Victoria, but I I think there's somewhere around three hundred thousand on the island. Yeah, somewhere around that, roughly. Yeah. Which is just like a yeah, like a mid-sized mm-hmm. um, Canadian city, but spread all over. Yeah, quite a large area. So we got beautiful part of the world, by the way. I have a brother. I think I told you on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. And uh, I love getting out there on the ferries and stuff when I can. And awesome. I would totally have been there. Well, I definitely would go there this summer if these travel mandates ever be done. But uh, I drove yeah. once across the country over COVID and I'd rather not have to drive it again if I can <laughs> fly. But uh, not yet. This is funny here. We got Paul saying trust in Tyson. <laughs> Shout out to Paul Thompson. He's always on here commenting. Um. Yeah, we've been going for two hours now, so that's pretty awesome. I'm yeah, glad you paint a really good picture. Like when you're talking, I was imagining in my head like what was going on from your point of view. So you did you did an awesome job painting the picture of what was going on. You gave me a much clearer perspective of what really happened. And um, hopefully there's some other people watching right now who take that away from this and um, kind of know from your perspective and your point of view what was going on. In Ottawa, when um, the convoy was there. But, yeah, unless there's something that you want to talk about, which is totally fine. Like, if there's something you want to <laughs> say, go for it. Um, for sure. No, is there you, anything? you just need to, like, uh, you just need to silence me whenever you want. Because I, uh, <laughs> I I can keep going uh, forever. But, no, no, I think we covered a good uh, chunk of it. Yeah. And uh, you're such an impressive uh, uh, man, Tyson. Uh Good work. I'm glad I could be the first guest on this, and I hope you uh, you do some some more of these. And uh, you know, I I didn't even feel like. Uh, and and what I find impressive about you is I don't I don't feel I need to to speak down uh, to you at all. Like uh, just even as far as your kind of vocabulary and world knowledge is concerned. Yeah. Well done. You obviously uh, you enjoy keeping up with what's going on and and educating yourself. So. Mm um keep it <laughs> keep it up the, you've been streaming longer than me um by quite some time so 
um i will um i look forward to to one day being uh you know remember me when you're rich and famous tyson and uh <laughs> and and let people know i was your, your first guest on your your super popular podcast so well thank you so much for coming on and be my first you were actually also the first person i reached out to because i don't know, i feel really comfortable like kind of just talking back and forth with you like you're someone that is really good at like you know painting a picture like i said and somebody that i feel comfortable kind of going back and forth and having conversations so when i first thought about having people on my show you were actually the first person who came to mind so thank well, you for coming on it's been a blast for me yeah no, happy to uh, if you see people that i've had on that uh that you, or you're interested in then uh definitely let me know i can uh, be your talent agent and uh and help uh help uh pitch pitch you to some people too so awesome um, keep up the great work brother uh i'm gonna stay live so my viewers can stay on here and i'll chat to them for a bit but uh thanks so much for for having me on tyson i just and... want to point out something kind of funny I, this is either my mom or my dad who commented this but they're still <laughs> logged into my account nice. so guys that's not me telling myself great job I, that's probably my mom sure that's it is tyson you're dad. just trying to get your comments up there a bit Help yeah the algorithm <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm going to log off. Thank you so, so much, everybody, for tuning in, watching, commenting. I believe I left a link to Dave's channel down in the description. One thing I also want to promote um, is I have a Facebook page, and I'm trying to grow that. I love the functionality of Facebook. Like, you can go live on your phone with, like, the click of two buttons. So I'm Tyson Hockley on Facebook. I know I have a lot of people watching on Facebook. So if there's anybody who's watching on Facebook and doesn't have YouTube, maybe like people who are watching the shed stream, just Tyson Hockley on Facebook. I'm really kind of trying to expand that platform. And um, I, I enjoy going live on Facebook. It's a ton of fun, but awesome. that's kind of my self promo for the day. You could find Dave's link to his channel in the description. If there is any odd case that you aren't already subscribed to him. Um, but yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Anybody who follows me knows that I have trouble clicking the end stream button, especially with Dave on here. I hate ending streams. Well, um, I, I could peace out if it helps. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm well, going to have to click that dreaded okay. button. Thanks, yeah. Tyson. We'll talk. Okay, so there, just back over to my stream there. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that that was good fun. Uh, what what a great kid. Um, yeah, I I start I forget because um, I realize I catch myself using some of the words that I'm using, and but then doesn't seem to to phase him. And even um, yeah, clearly well read. And uh, and so shout out to uh, his his parents who um, clearly must be very impressive people. Uh, to just raise such a fine young man like that. And I, I've seen people coming before too. just, it does, um, it gives me and uh, it certainly gives um, older folks too just a hope for our nation there. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned before that I used to work at uh, Ontario Pioneer Camp and shout out again to Ontario Pioneer Camp and, and the InterVarsity Pioneer Camps of, of Canada, uh, a great place to to send your kids this summer that do not practice medical discrimination and they have camps in every province. Um, but anyway, I, I had the privilege of, of working at, uh, at this camp and, uh, there are, um, you know, 
hope is alive. And so I know I, I'm a fairly cynical person and I can sit around and uh, complain about all oh, these kids on their ticky talky or blah, blah, blah. I, I could get all Grandpa Dave sometimes too. Um, but then I'm reminded, you know, chatting to a young man like that of just, there are some, um, yeah, there's some great young people uh, out there and we want to keep investing in them and believing in them. I love what they're doing in Victoria with, uh, with Tyson is that they've really, the com- freedom community there has really, uh, helped, helped him and, and get him involved and, and get him in, in the mix filming and doing interviews. And, uh, it, it's been really cool to see that, that community develop, over there and to see people invest in him. So excited to see him stepping up and, and doing this podcast, uh, doing the show thing. And so guys, if you're not already subscribed, suggest uh, you subscribe to, to Tyson Hockley there on YouTube. And he's on Facebook now, I guess too. And uh, he's getting up towards 8,000 subs and he gets a cake every time he breaks another thousand subs. So he's getting close. He'll be, uh, he'll be ready for a new cake soon. So that's pretty awesome. Help a kid get a cake. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, hope is alive in this country. And um, there's, there's in, there are wonderful young people uh, like Tyson and uh, like, like the young women too we had on the other day from Students Against uh, Mandates. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, depending on what stage of life you're in, uh, you don't get to to see that side of things. Maybe you just hear all the bad stuff and the media is great about telling the bad stuff, but there are so many wonderful stories, um, incredible uh, young men and women who are, are the future of this nation and, um, and are a good one at that. And so we want to keep standing up for them and encouraging them and so awesome to be able to help Tyson on his journey here. And he's been helpful to me too. He gave me some tips on how to do a few things. He's like I said, he's been on the YouTube longer than me. And so very helpful to be able to learn from him as well. Um, yeah, just wanted to get to a couple things before sign off. Um, I took a few days off as you would have seen this past weekend and a couple days before a good friend of mine, uh, got married to his best friend, as he said in his speech, uh, very wonderful speech and a uh, very beautiful couple. Uh, that was on Saturday, so I was at a wedding. Uh, I was DJing, so that was good fun. Pulled out the pulled out the old uh, mixing board and uh, and did some DJing at uh, a good friend's wedding. And uh, it was at a it was a fairy tale wedding at a, at an old barn um, by a pond and just a beautiful sunny day. And again, gives me hope for this nation of um, just a wonderful young couple like that committing their lives to each other um, and ready to to start a family together. And uh, there's much to be hopeful for. There's much to continue to stand up for in this great country. And it's those wonderful moments like that that remind me why I love this country. And uh, I also uh, <laughs> love where I live out in the countryside. Um, not a big fan uh, of the cities. Love the Love the farms and the Farms in the fields and the trees and the nature and uh, seeing uh, more green and uh, less gray concrete is what I'm a fan of. But uh, <laughs> wherever you are in this great country, uh, much to be thankful for. And even as we continue to to fight for our freedoms, we acknowledge uh, this wonderful place and we want to continue to keep it to be a wonderful place for future generations Um like the many that we know. And I know that's a motivator for so many people in this movement is their children, their grandchildren, 
and uh, the future generation of Canadians as a whole. Uh, just we'll bring you up to speed on a few uh, news stories here. Um, the now I let's pull this one up. Um, try to even when I'm not doing the live streams, I try to keep um, my Twitter and other uh, social medias up to date. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, I got a little bit of flack for for sharing this one, but um, many of you will will seen the. Uh, this is from her Twitter. Prominent Toronto lawyer Karma rules arrested at Ford Nation rally. And um, uh, she has been uh, uh, a noticed face at many freedom uh, events and um, not for a second pretend that always a, a friendly uh, face. Definitely not. She's been very outspoken against the freedom movement. And uh, but she I can definitely based on everything I've seen has not been violent uh, in the past. And so, of course, has her right to to protest us. As well, we stand for the rights of all Canadians, uh, whether they agree with us or not. And uh, so she was at a Ford rally to um, to cover that event. And uh, anyway, so here's what ended up happening at that Ford rally. Uh, she had a ticket, by the way. She RSVP'd on the website and then came to the rally and then police were called on her. I, well, I let her, can, can you let her leave? Can she leave? She had her opportunity. The Hamilton police arresting me for political dissent. When you're under arrest, can I please give him my phone, please? Can I give him my phone, please? No, you cannot. Can I give him my phone, please? And so she's taken away. And, um, you can go on her Twitter and if you want to see the, you know, you might ask, well, what led up to that? I mean, you can you can go on and see what led up to that. Basically, she just went up. She showed she had her ticket. And um, and then the person said, well, you're going to be arrested if you don't leave. And she said, why? I have a ticket. And then the police came and, and arrested her. Uh, the reason I got a flag is because she's she's by no means a friend to to the movement. Um, like she's been very critical of uh, the movement and she's been at various events and 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 spoken out publicly uh against um some people in the freedom movement but that is of course her right to do so as long as she remains uh peaceful which she has done and there's absolutely no indication that um that she was a threat to doug ford or or anyone else and um and so i think it's important that we not be we hypocrites, and uh, so, and that's why I wanted to uh, put out my uh, not support for her uh, as a person or her message or, or that, but simply a support as uh, a Canadian who has their their rights to protest, protest me, protest the government, protest anything they want uh, peacefully, and we have to be careful in this movement and any movement of we don't want to, you know. When we're in power, we don't want to repress the views of others because when they're in power, we don't want them to repress our views. And we don't want to simply be here and say that, oh, these people we disagree with, let's shut them down uh, because that's precisely what they, they, that's what we're standing against is that those in power 
um, trying to repress our freedom and our message. And so even when we adamantly disagree with someone, they have the right to to say to to disagree with us. You know, the old saying of, uh, you know, whatever, however it goes. So I may I may disagree with you, but I I, uh, I may not like what you say, but I would die for your right to say it. And I think that that was a message I was uh, wanted to share by um, by putting that uh, that out there to yeah to share with people um, that even when I don't agree with someone I still support their right to disagree with me and that uh, it's important that we um, we support each other's right to protest and disagree even when we don't always see eye to eye to say the least uh, and then this is uh, someone had been asking earlier in the chat. This is information about the upcoming Canada Day celebrations. So um, this poster is out there. There's going to, it's an early version. There'll be changes come. The location has not uh, quite been finalized yet, but um, a Canada Day celebration camping weekend, 10 a.m. Uh, meet at Parliament Hill. So there's going to, and going to, do a meet and a march at Parliament Hill and then a party at the Hill. And then the plan would be for the afternoon to go to a private property and they're doing a dinner and live music, fireworks, DJ. Uh, I've been told I might end up sitting in a dunk tank. And uh, so that could be interesting. And then a kid's area and such. And um, when the, the location will get released later, uh, it's not going to get released right away. Um, just partly for you know, the privacy and safety of the owner of the property, but uh, that it will be not too far from Ottawa. And that's a place you can come camp if you're planning to come up and join for Canada Day weekend. James talked to arrive June uh, 30th. And uh, I am told that Veterans for Freedom may be releasing something very soon. And as soon as that's out, I'll get that out as well on sort of the final details of how that's going to look. So keep an eye out for that. But June 30th is his arrival day in Ottawa. And then the details of uh, the candidate camping are up there as well. You guys can check out how um, oh, this was another uh, clip worth checking out here of. Um, let me just change my audio so I can actually hear this. Uh, but so this, as you would know, that uh, uh, Singh Jagmeet Singh has been getting uh, at least a little bit of criticism these days uh, for his uh, unholy matrimony with Justin Trudeau. And one of the things they keep throwing out is uh, that people who disagree with him are racist because apparently you can't disagree with someone from another ethnicity or you're racist. But uh, this was actually at an event where there was a group of fellow Sikhs that just wanted to have a conversation with him, and he called the police on them. And you'll see the police uh, actually found this quite funny. So you can watch this clip. Yeah, he's a public servant. And if it's a meet and greet, you're, you're opening up the event for access for the public to access to you. That's yeah. the idea. Is he inside? Or is yeah, he yeah, he's, he's in the back. <laughs> yeah so the uh the cop can't even uh hold himself together which i just love so <laughs> he he's he's just in the back yeah <laughs> and the cop laughs and um and it just 
it, it tears apart this narrative that uh, you know basically you could only ever disagree with this guy if you're a white supremacist or something. And uh, here's uh, members of his own guy community um, very clearly disagreeing with him. So um, thankfully, this police officer had a sense of humor about it and uh, and didn't cuff them all for it. Um, but um, yeah, oh yeah, here's another clip from um, some of the scene against Jagmeet. Would you have ever thought that in a nation like Canada, you know, this kind of tyranny would be taking place? At Parliament's doorstep. Parliament's doorstep. And I apologize to the rest of the individuals of my faith because we have a member in Parliament, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, a complete scumbag. Him, his brother, his entire party. They like to, they like to talk about, you know, we're all about the people, the labor force, equity in rights, equity in terms of, you know, freedoms all across the board, making sure that everyone's safe. They're all about the social needs and access to them. Well, guess what? They're involved. They're the ones helping Trudeau close down bank accounts and they're compliant. So even if you're silent on these issues, that's compliance as well. So we would like everyone to know that Jagmeet Singh doesn't represent the six, and he never did. He tugged on our heartstrings to make it seem like just because he looks like us, he could get us to vote for him. I've never voted for him in any election. I've never voted for Trudeau either. And I will continue not to vote for these oppressors. And we will make sure that we will still remain here to fight for our freedoms. And we're here till the end. That's great. That that was actually back from uh, at the convoy, but made its made its rounds again. Um, yeah, and I just love love seeing them uh, call out their leader. I mean, it shouldn't matter uh, the the skin tone or the ethnicity of anyone for calling out anybody. That's irrelevant. The point is the what you're saying and the argument you're you know you dis- the standpoint you're disagreeing with. But in this crazy world of uh, <clears throat> this all this identity politics somehow it matters the fact that they're of the same ethnicity so but um regardless everyone is increasingly speaking out and uh you gotta love uh, jagmeet too he keeps tweeting this criticism of the government and uh, many people are happy to jump on and point out that he is the government <laughs> and the only reason this government continues to stand is because he keeps uh supporting uh, I'll let you watch that in your own time, but this is quite a funny edit of um, uh, Justin Trudeau. If he was being honest, they just tied together a bunch of words. Uh, it's comical. Um, this was uh, today, if you missed it, but um, a James Top arrived in Marathon, Ontario. So I put this out earlier, but he was he was there tonight. So that's where he is. Now he's in Marathon, Ontario. You can Google that if you don't know where it is, up near Thunder Bay. But he's past Thunder Bay now, and he's in Marathon, Ontario, making his way to Ottawa. Uh, Continue to follow his journey at canadamarches.ca. If you don't already, there's a live tracker there. You can see where he is at, canadamarches.ca. Thank you, Christina, for putting in the comments. Uh, He is currently, as we speak, probably just finishing up... uh, wing night uh, meet and greet at uh, marathon ontario and then we'll continue on his journey tomorrow making his way 
to uh, Ottawa. Um, oh, this is yeah, this is quite <laughs> this is quite good. So, um, believe it or not, Pearson Airport did a practice of a freedom protest at the airport to practice for their uh, readiness for in case of a freedom protest. Now, I responded back to them that they should have let us know ahead of time so we could have made this much more realistic for them. Um, Why have fake protesters when you can have real ones? Um, They they didn't do our characters very well, though, because they all had masks, so I didn't think that was very believable. But here's the... uh, the fake protesters um, practicing at uh, Pearson Airport for an emergency drill. As unfolded at Pearson Airport today that could have fooled onlookers. First off, is anyone fooled by this crowd? No, they are wearing masks. Today we're having a mock emergency exercise happening, so we're testing our response to an emergency or security situation. So we've got protesters in the back who have been very enthusiastic uh, about playing their roles and testing our response to it. Yes, as you can see, people, both volunteers and airport employees, getting into character for the fake protest. The exercise is actually a requirement by Transport Canada. The GTA says it's an important way to test the airport's emergency response. A scene unfolded at Pearson Airport. So, yeah, again, to be clear, that was a fake protest. So they, they had hired fake protesters to practice an emergency drill. And you know, the other giveaway is there's absolutely no bouncy castles. I don't see any free food. Where's the bubble bus? Like, come on, guys. Like, get the details right, okay? If you're going to do a protest, do it right. <laughs> and and the mass, I mean, uh, come on. But the very least they could have done. I appreciate the signs. I did, I did think the, uh, I did think the signs was a nice touch that they had some, uh, freedom. What are, what are they all got here? Proof of being unvaccinated required. Oh, proof of being unvaccinated. I'm not sure what the point of that Trump 20. Oh, there's a Trump sign. <laughs> Look at them. Trump 24 in the background there. Uh, looks like I picked the wrong week to trust the government. Yeah. Okay. Um, my, my freedom, my rights. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's not terrible. It's <laughs> they're trying, they, they're, they're, they're trying. So can I see any of the other ones? I love the matching shirts. Uh, where, where do I, I never get a free, I rarely get free. Okay. I can't say never I have gotten a free shirt at a protest before, but um, not usually. This guy's a legend. He's ready to protest. Um, yeah. So they, they did a fake protest at uh, Pearson to test their readiness. Like I said, it's a shame they didn't invite us. We could have made it much more realistic and much more fun. Oh, this was um, this was good. This was uh, from a viewer. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you watch the clip. Just. Good, good for a laugh. Um, lighten the mood a little bit. Oh my God, Tanner, you scratched your leg. It must be COVID nineteen. <laughs> oh my God, Tanner's bleeding. It must be. It must be COVID nineteen. Oh my God, Tanner, you scratched. 
That was uh, that was sent from uh, a, a mom <laughs> who made that with with her boys and uh, and just for fun and I it made me have a good laugh so I had to share that out and uh, the mullet got lots of comments everyone appreciated <laughs> the mullet to respect uh, keeping the mullet alive and then the big news today um, is. As expected, sellout Singh, the rest of Justin's goons, have voted to continue medical discrimination at airports. We remain prisoners in our own country. So today there was a vote in um, House of Commons that could have... Um, there was a vote in the House of Commons that could have ended the um, discrimination on airplanes. It could have allowed the unvaccinated to, to travel again, but... but as was expected, the um, the Liberals, the NP, the Blocks, and the Greens all voted against it. Everyone just voted along party lines. And uh, yeah, it was 117 in favor of ending the mandates to 202 against. And so that that motion failed. And uh, so our your members of parliament, your members in your area, could have voted today, could have ended the, the flight mandates could have allowed you to fly again, but they chose to not. And here we are today. And um, yeah, and it, there's a few things I want to point out on that. I mean, one is just insane that we're still doing this. Um, two, we have a really frustrating system uh, here because people, MPs and MPs don't really get to vote uh, on what they think or what represents their constituents, even if they knew that the vast majority of their constituents were opposed to these ongoing mandates. They're they're forced to toe the party line or face getting kicked out of the party, and uh, it's just it's crazy that uh, and and any of us who who follow politics, we 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 knew that this motion would fail. You you, you hope there'd be an exception, but you basically know it's going to fail. Because um, they toe the party line. That's what they do. When the opposition brings forward a motion and you have the majority, then you vote down that motion. Um, it doesn't really matter what the motion is. It doesn't matter how good it is that you don't you don't support the opposition's motion. And then when they feel like it, they'll bring forward, you know, they, they'll drop it themselves. Because basically to support the opposition's motion is to say that, to admit that they're wrong about it. Because... I mean, it kind of makes sense in the sense that why would they not, uh, why would they go through the motion of supporting the opposition when they could have just dropped it themselves? So not surprising that it didn't go through, but still you should, uh, you should contact your member of parliament. You should um, share your disagreement for, for not voting for that. There's absolutely, it's, if you want to talk science, if you want to talk like uh, the, you know, the standards across the country, insane that we're still doing this um what is it maybe is it us in north korea are the only ones that don't let our citizens like leave the country like what kind of crazy social club are we a part of now in 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 the world that uh, that we still don't allow our citizens to fly uh, basically every country has has dropped these um these mandates on the flights and on the borders and uh it's all you know what all it is all it is and uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I, I can't come up with a better explanation. But all it is, is uh, it's just, it's spite. He's angry at us. He's angry at those who wouldn't comply, disagreed with him. And uh, it's spite. And he's going to just kind of keep 
drilling us for that as long as he can. That's all I can see that's going on. Just complete um, arrogance and, and spite towards those who disagree with him. And um, and you're right, uh, Brenda says, how is that democracy? It, it's not democracy. It, uh, unfortunately, what we have, um, how this has evolved into, and it, for those who don't, for those who follow politics regularly, uh, it won't be a shocker, but for those who have just started following politics, it might come as a bit of a shocker that essentially your most of your members of parliament don't really get to decide much of anything. Uh, for your typical backbenching member of parliament, um, they do what they're told. So a member of parliament comes in, they're told that this is what they're going to vote on this motion. Um, the party has, the leader has determined that this is what, what you're going to do and you fall in and you you vote yay or nay according to what you were told. And if you don't, you're kicked out of the party. And uh, and that's how, that's how it works. And um, some leaders... And some parties have supported votes by conscience where they would allow uh, on certain issues of conscience, they'd allow their members to vote outside of the party line without fear of discipline. Uh, but in general, uh, what happens is they're told what to vote by their leader and they have to do what they're told. They can't vote with conscience, they can't vote with what the constituents want, what the country wants, they just do what they're told, um, which is less than ideal. But it also means, the, yeah, the government's partly to blame for that but we are also to blame because ultimately it's us who elects these people and so it's time for more canadians to pay attention to politics it does matter who gets elected you know so many times for years and i grew up in a more political family so i was always more engaged but for years so many people said it doesn't matter they're all the same they're all the same they're not all the same and it does matter who these people are and it's important to pay attention to who your local uh, representatives are it's important to to follow this and to ensure that they actually are a person of character, um, whatever uh, whatever party they might be running for. It uh, it is important because even if you know in their small realm of uh, of influence that uh, they don't have much say, you know that's the the best we got is to put people of good character in there, and then even more than. I would say even more so than your local MP for your becoming a member of a political party and to vote for the leader. Cause what's crazy. So, I mean, this year the, the election is going on for the leader of the conservative party of Canada. And realistically, uh, maybe a few hundred thousand people will end up deciding the leader of, uh, will, will probably be the next prime minister. So most likely, uh, Trudeau is not going to be able to make it pass by another term, you know, be impressed if he makes it through uh, this one, but if um, the more than likely the next prime minister will be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, which means that this vote coming up this year to pick the leader of the Conservative Party will probably end up picking the next prime minister. And the people who vote, who elect that leader of the Conservative Party are the members of the Conservative Party. And that ends up only being, you know, a few hundred thousand people who end up deciding the winner of that uh, vote, which ends up deciding basically who will become the next prime minister. Um, so really encourage you guys to, if you don't already, uh, become a member of a political party. I, I'm not sure if what the prices are, the different ones. I know the Conservative Party is $15 and uh, the other ones are similar, maybe even less. And uh and it allows you to have a say in who these leaders will be. And especially this year, very important to, to get your conservative membership 
you know, and even if you think all the leaders are terrible in the conservative party nominations, then I bet you some of them are less terrible than others. And it's a rank ordered ballot. So you can order them in what level of terribleness you think they are. And you can have a say in who the next prime minister is. It's super important. Um, Tamara, Sue, hey, that's awesome. Um, got my membership first time ever. That's great to hear. And it's super important because, yes, we can blame politicians all we want, but ultimately responsibility does lie on us as citizens. It's us who cast our ballot, and it is important. Democracy only works when everyone uh, plays their role, and our role is to uh, actually pay attention to elections, actually to get involved, to run for government potentially, as uh, we had some people on like Thomas O'Connor who stood up and is running, and um Tomorrow, I'm actually going to have on uh, Roman Baber, uh, who is one of the guys running for leader of the Conservative Party. So tomorrow, uh, one o'clock, I believe, I'll get the thumbnail up after this stream. Uh, tomorrow, one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I'll be on with Roman Baber and uh, be chatting with him, getting to know him a bit and where he stands. And so he is one of the candidates um, that you can consider for the the leadership. I'd love to talk to all the candidates. Realistically, they don't all um, return my calls, but uh, but Roman was gracious enough to agree to chat with me. So we're going to have Roman on tomorrow, and you'll get to hear from uh, him. And uh, looking forward to talking to him. And then on Wednesday, uh, we have um, Tom Marazzo, who is also he's running uh, for uh, provincial politics. He's running for the Ontario Party in his riding. So we're going to have Tom Marazzo on Wednesday evening, and uh, he was a big part of the convoy as well. Many of you will know his name, and uh, looking forward to chatting him about his experiences in Ottawa and transition into politics. So that's going to be Wednesday. Thursday is the provincial election in Ontario, so I encourage you guys to get out and vote. Um, there are two alternative parties in Ontario. I would suggest the Ontario Party and the um, New Blue. Um, personally, I'm not satisfied with the current three um, traditional parties. Uh, Ford, for obvious reasons, not only did, you know, it's one thing to follow what the other provinces did, but he went above and beyond. He created some of the strictest lockdowns this in the whole world and um, have no confidence in, in him as an actual conservative leader and uh, can't in good faith, support him. And then I looked at the platforms. I honestly did look at the platforms of the other two parties, and they were even more disturbing. Uh, spend, 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 and mandate, mandate, mandate. And Ford didn't go far enough. We're going to go further. And uh, it's absolutely terrifying. So that left me with the options of uh, looking at alternative parties. And two that I'd like to suggest, because I have personal friends running in both of them, and yeah, full disclosure, but also because they're... Um, their policies and platforms uh, I can find myself aligning very well with is that both the Ontario party and the new blue. And so I encourage you guys to look at the candidates in your area and encourage you to get out and vote. There's always this talk of vote splitting. I understand that's a concern, but uh, is it really, I mean, what at some point you need to like vote with conscience, I believe. And, um, there's strategy definitely, but there is also comes a point where, and, and how, 
how can it how can a new party ever enact change if everyone just calls vote splitting all the time the other piece is by having a strong showing for these alternative uh, freedom oriented parties it's definitely going to have to force the pcs to take a serious look at their platform and uh, just like the ppc and the strong showing for them caused a, a big part i think in the eventual shift that happened in the conservative party federally um, I want to see a similar thing happen in Ontario, a strong showing for these freedom parties and uh, help generate a shift in the PCs because our PCs in Ontario are, uh, they're focused, they're, they're really into the progressive and not too much into the conservative, it seems. And uh, hopefully we can help pull that back with this election. So um, be sure to get out and vote on Thursday and uh, encourage you guys to um, support uh, one of the alternative parties for the reasons I just, uh, sorry, what am I saying? Uh, the, yeah, no, yeah, it is June 2nd. Oh yeah. Am I getting that date right? <laughs> no. Um, I just looked at my calendar, but I was looking at the wrong week. Yes, it is Thursday. Uh, Thursday is the election. So, um, yes. Was there anything else I wanted to cover? Oh, and then Thursday, yeah, Thursday's election, and I will also be chatting to Mr. Sunshine Baby. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mr. Sunshine Baby is a is a streamer and YouTuber from out west, and uh, yeah, he he did uh, coverage of the convoy there, and he continues to do conservative esque um, news coverage and keeping Trudeau and the boys accountable. And uh, so, looking forward to chatting to him. So, some great guests this week. Like I said, Roman tomorrow and then Tom Marazzo Wednesday and uh, Mr. Sunshine Baby uh, on Thursday is our tentative. Well, that is a confirmed plan, but plans have changed before too. And uh, yeah, so a bit of a slower week last week, but uh, some great interviews lined up for you tonight or this week rather. And a uh, reminder that after this episode, um, I will be uploading this to Spotify. So that's another option available for you guys if you prefer to listen rather than watch. Um, yeah, check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, here on YouTube, wherever you like to uh, use your platforms. And I uh, encourage you guys, if you don't already, to like and subscribe and uh, working hard to bring you reliable, trustworthy coverage of uh, the freedom movement, especially in Ontario, and uh, bring on interesting guests and cover events that are happening around uh, Ontario, especially, and then the wider freedom movement in Canada. So thank you guys, uh, all of you who support and uh, always appreciate that. And thank you um, to the moderators and uh, as always, and all the viewers and uh, Christina says, David's back in action. I was never not in action. I just took a few days off. Okay. We got a, we got a good lineup uh, for the week and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Just needed to uh, recharge there a bit. And uh, a wedding of a dear friend is a great way to recharge. So had a lot of fun with that, uh, but we got a great week lined up. Should be fun. And uh, be sure to tune in. I will see you next time. Uh, love you guys. Keep hauling.